This is an emergency broadcast from Radio Free Istvan. All Imperial forces, stay away from Istvan 5. The fort flooding in of a massacre on the Black Sands. Horus has revealed his hand and gathered yet more traitorous Primarchs to his side. Ferris Manus is dead. Vulcan and Korax are missing. Stay safe, brothers, and stay away from the Istvan system. The Emperor protects. What's going on, Radio Freest Van listeners, and welcome to episode 115 of the Radio Freest Van podcast. Just kidding, guys. It's episode 84. <laughs> I was about to say, I lost count of somewhere. <laughs> we'll be there, you know, pretty soon. It's okay. We'll catch up. Anyway, uh, uh, 30K Horace Heresy podcast. Uh, my name is Michael. I got my co-host Derek here. Go and say what's going on, Derek. How's it going, everybody? We got Scott over there. Let's see what's going on, Scott. Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> and Ryan. Go and say what's going on, Ryan. What's going on, Ryan? And we have a special guest, powerful Chris over there. Let's see what's going on, Chris. How we doing? And yes, guys, this is the Chris, if you're a longtime listener, that has the craziest stories. Every time Ryan refers to a uh, his friend that has crazy military stories, that's Chris. So I'm hoping that we can squeeze every last bit of hilarious juice out Scott's of him. Scott's got quite a few, too, now, to be fair. Yeah, Scott's <laughs> got some funny ones, too. <laughs> Chris Chris has got about 13 more years of putting up with that bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We need to arrange something where we get Cat, Maka, Chris, Scott and our buddy Kenneth all on one fucking podcast and just oh, watch man. the just watch the world end. <laughs> just watch the fucking world burn. <sighs> so anyway, we got a pretty good episode for you guys lined up. Uh We've got our normal intro, Hobby Progress. We're going to go ahead and talk about that amongst all of us here. We're going to see what everybody's working on. Uh, then we're going to talk about some of the 10 Days of Heresy Shapeways promotion that we have going on. Uh, then we're going to go to the talk about some Pop Goes the Monkey's new releases that came out and some Blood and Skulls Industries uh, releases that will go with that. A pretty sweet conversion you can rock out. Uh, then we're going to go over some voicemails. And then into some lists. So it's a pretty pretty simple episode for you guys, but uh, pretty pretty easy. So I guess let's let's uh, let's go to intro here. Scott, what you working on, man? What have you been working on? Man, I'm currently well. What I have been working on, I just finished up uh, twenty tactical marines, world leaders tacticals. Posted that up in my escalation group, and uh, when I get my next thing done, I'll post it on the Facebook page. But I'm, I'm currently working on three javelins, world leader javelins for my uh, my little escalation army. So that's the plan. So far, I've painted like 40 infantry, and I still have 55 more to go. So the struggle is real, but I'm getting through it. This is a very vehicle light army. Like I, the only vehicles I have are like two anvilists, a cribdis, a xiphon, and then javelin. Wow. Everybody else is fucking bows on the ground, so or uh assault salt pack fellas. So uh Yeah, man. That's pretty monotonous, but I actually like it with the few pointers Ryan gave me and stuff and working uh working some techniques I wanted to do for a little while. Uh coming out really good, man, or at least i I'm happy with them, so can't complain. I like them. Yeah, dude, I've I've seen seen but, some of those uh, pictures, man. <clears throat> and uh Oh god, I'm echoing. We got an echo. Somebody's echoing. But yeah, I saw some me, of those pictures and 
it uh, i definitely like the white with the red shoulder pads over the white with the blue like quite a bit man it boy it, man and uh the really cool thing about that is is i you know i know we a lot of us view 30k as kind of like a historical science fiction mentors game which is a bit of an oxymoron but it it like dates my specific army to a specific point in the heresy like during slash post shadow crusade stuff so uh i like that aspect of it a lot and i haven't seen too many red and white world leaders armies floating around out there so hopefully it'll be fairly unique um yeah you're not full-blown chaos you kind of have to go you're not full blown like yeah they're getting there they're yeah. not fucking growing crazy crab claws and shit like that <laughs> but they're they're getting there <laughs> they're getting like the bumps on their arms like they're getting weird weird rashes yeah, like, yeah. something's going on but trying to jerk off with cla- crab claws would yeah, suck. that's why they're so angry very gently sir very very gently. yeah they had butcher's nails and then they got crab claws and you can't jerk off anymore and then they're just 10 levels of angry above yeah you can't put a helmet on if you have a fucking horn growing out of your forehead so that's you know that's gonna be a lot <laughs> and well badass ryan man what you working on i am currently as we record i'm painting death guard infantry Woo. I have, let's see, I built, I finished building my Fellblade, so it's done, it's built. I built a, a Vindicator, the For- Forge World Demios Vindicator. I built three Sicarans, um, and then I started painting all these infantry. I'm Right now, I, I airbrushed them all up. I think we talked about that last episode, maybe. I got all the levels of airbrush on them. And right now I'm going through and doing uh, wet br- wet brush blending on the shoulder pads and knee pad of these guys. And I've just done, I'm just sitting doing like all 70 of my infantry at once. So I've already done all the Terminators and now I'm doing the Power Armor guys. So you're just rolling through as like, you, you airbrushed like the first coat on there. I know you had talked about it in the, the Patreon chat, but I don't think it actually well, it's made three, it to the episode. Well, it's three coat. It's a... Uh, to, yeah, it's three. It's a three coat airbrush process. Now I'm going back, and then I did the backpack separate, a two coat airbrush process, different on the backpack because it's green. Now I'm going through and painting all the shoulder pads and one knee pad on each guy. Three shades of green, doing wet wet brush blending, blending it all where it looks airbrushed, even though I'm doing it with a got a nice fade to it. And then once all this is done, I'll go ahead and decal. And then, then at that point, I'll break them down into squads and just paint one squad at a time. Putting all of this together because I wanted to get them all to the point where they're all on them, and then I'll, you know, use that as my base point to go through. And are they all based already, or are you 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 save the bases for last, like all at one time? I did the resin bases, so they're already glued on the bases they're going to be on. So I'll just paint them as I paint the guys. Very cool. Very cool. Like brick bases, brickin look like cobblestone. They look they I call them I call them Terminator Future War bases. They got skulls and shit. It looks like the Yeah. Nice. They're like concrete slabs with little skulls and bullet holes. Nice. It's got the skulls on it kind of like on the Roman battle tiles, the original ones. Just right. skulls. So these are this is supposed to be an Isfan 3 
like I wanted to go with like an Isfahan three theme, so I was thinking like what Isfahan three would look like, and I was like the first thing that jumped to my mind was here where they're in the future, and the ground is just like covered in bones with fucking rubble everywhere, and the robots running around and laser beams and fire and shit. Yeah, so I feel like kinda, I, I feel like a, that reminded me of that. I feel like a fire bomb after the virus bomb. That's exactly what it would do to people. Yeah, it would just leave bones everywhere. Just flesh yep. exploding yep. off of bones. So I, I plan on like painting these like concrete and skulls and then trying to figure out something to make them look <laughs> charred like it's a firestorm. And then I may even take like some like <laughs> water effect with some green black sludge and paint it around the skulls where it almost looks like slimy where the fucking virus bomb or whatever where it didn't totally burn away on some. So yeah, that'd be badass. And you're like, since you're Death Guard, you can like have some on their like fingers like they were just licking it. They're just like testing it out. Licking it. <laughs> like, oh, let's see how serious this virus shit is. Uh, but yeah, so that's what I've been doing. So, and then uh, I've also got a whole. I just uh, broke out all this terrain, some more terrain for Adepticon. I've been working on that a little bit too. So I'm gonna work on that pretty hot and heavy tomorrow. And then I got all my conversion bits in to convert my Mortarian. Because I don't like the... We talked about it before. I'm not a fan of the standard hobo one. So I'm going to do a head swap and and make a scythe, (laughs) not a farm implement, and some other shit. (laughs) Hobo. The hobo Mortarian. (laughs) The Mortarian that asked for money. Hobo with a power scythe. Mortarian. (laughs) So what about you, Chris, man? where, Where are you at? What have you been working on? Well, my sons of Horus are all finished. I've been talking to Scott about maybe adding another piece or two to him down the road. He did most of my army for me there. But uh, for the most part, 30K-wise, I'm on a holding pattern waiting for the Dark Angels to come out. Oh, no shit. Oh, with, yeah? Is that with Angelus? Are they coming out with Angelus, right? I'm, they're they're kind of going to be my next army. I ended up selling out of my uh, Iron Hands. I was kind of disappointed with them overall. And I, I was feeling the Dark Angels. been feeling their fluff a lot lately. No shit. No, no, no want to go Ravenwing. Maybe, but I just want to do Dark Angels in general. Uh, I've been kind of feeling them. I've been actually working on a lot of Dark Angels for forty k lately at the moment. But I've got my jet bikes already for my thirty k Dark Angels. The rest of it, I got to kind of wait and see what the uh, book comes out and what they're going to do, and what they're going to have. No yeah. joke. And you play you play eighth edition forty k as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the one that that comes and feeds Ryan all the knowledge of how the tournaments are going. Yes, I do all the competitive. He just tries to trigger me. He knows I hate it, so he likes to come over here and torment me, and then just watch my fucking brain. Unfortunately, the new Dark Angels Codex for 40k is terrible. <laughs> oh, even though y'all got those sweet, sweet Primaris Marines, <clears throat> they're all right. The biggest problem is. Uh, I mean, no, consider anybody who have played Dark Angels doesn't have Primaris Marines set up for them yet. What they had was either Deathwing or Ravenwing, and they pretty much botched their rules. They're not that great. Oi, 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 vey. So, so I guess uh, we really haven't had anybody on the show that actually plays 40k 8th and Heresy. Between the two, which do you prefer? And don't worry, we won't hate you. I'm pretty sure... I prefer Heresy. I mean, there's one or two elements of eighth I like over heresy, but for them overall, the overall thing, I prefer the seventh head. Uh, obviously, there's the imbalance issues you used to have with the psychic phase, which I like how eighth kind of cleaned that up. Oh, it's not the monstrous <clears throat> creature edition anymore in eighth edition, but other than that, everything else I prefer. 
the flexibility, the actual movement, the terrain interaction, and all that for setup. And so with eighth, it's just all kind of gone. How have you seen it in the tournament scene or like the, the competitive track? Is it pretty one-sided or? Oh, it's actually kudos to GW for actually quote unquote kind of keeping it balanced. But at the same time, they're also screwing a lot of people because something becomes good. Everybody goes and gets it, and then they turn around and it gets an appointment adjustment within three months, and everybody's mad because they bought all this stuff and just got it painted and on the table and it gets fixed. Like right now, the new things, uh, everybody's buying the hell out of them. And they just won Heat 2 at the GW Big Grand Tournament. So I can guarantee you that Dark Reapers are probably going to get a point adjustment here real soon. Wow. Yeah, they've already sold all the ones they need to sell. So <laughs> they'll just drop those and then come out and with something else. enough, the most broken thing also that's otherwise out there is Fire Raptors in general. For some reason, they're like the only Forge World model that saw like a huge point decrease. So everybody's like, especially Chaos. Everybody Chaos is like, ooh, let me stick Fire Raptors in my army everywhere. It's like, oh, look, it's a Chaos army. Demon Princes and a Fire Raptor. I'm surprised. Yeah, I guess when you take away fire arc, but you put that many guns on something, I guess that and a storm eagle, like storm eagle's got quite a bit of guns on it too. Yeah, well, think about compared to heresy. Think about anything that's a twin link gun. You're just doubling the number of shots. So right. It's just yeah. a, like the amount of heavy bolter shots coming off a of fire raptor is retarded. Yeah, that's thinking. Even then, thinking about like a storm eagle, you're looking at what you know twin linked multi melta. You're looking at twin linked last cannon. You're looking at twin linked, uh, whatever the storm yep. eagle rockets it's really good are. Too. It's a good yeah. tank killer. It is a really good heavy beast or tank killer. The big problem you have there is like the armies that are ruling the fields are the armies that can throw the hordes out. You throw the one big model out and then you throw a horde, either a horde of little brimstone demons, hordes of freaking guards. I seem them. to remember somebody saying before the game even come out that when you make a system where if you just roll sixes, bro, you win. <clears throat> Um, and saying something about hordes of guys and just rolling buckets of dice that the math will always... You can just have a bunch of LAS pistols, and if you have enough LAS pistols, they just equal a LAS cannon because you're throwing so many dice. Orcs are actually really good competitively, and they don't even have a codex yet just for the sheer number of bodies they put on the table. I, I don't remember who was that said that. It's like I can still hear that, that argument. Nauseam. Yeah, I just... I mean... I seem to remember somebody saying, I think that was a fatal flaw in the system that yeah. all you had to do is roll six. It has six two or three aspects I really like. The rest of it, I, I still prefer the depth of seventh. I hate the fact that I could literally drive my Land Raider backwards at you and it makes zero difference as far as fire eight arcs or armor facing or anything. No, yeah, it's game. silly, man. That's so silly. What about, um, uh, oh, man. Oh, what? how did I forget what I was going to ask? Like, he legitimately just, like, stopped, like, jumped out of my head. Oh, must not have been important then. Oh, no, it was pretty important. Here's what I get out of it. it come, the gameplay is different. Like, seventh, it's a lot about how you play it on the table. Eighth comes down to three things. Your list build, how you play your stratagems during the course of the game. You're trying to stack as many rerolls as possible on the list build. So, really, because I have a lot of downtime, I sit and do lots of list theory. It gives me lots of time. That's what I get out of eighth is because I, oh. I got plenty of time to do list theory and kind of run the numbers and see what works well. No joke. How about a game length? How, how's game length? Especially when you're working with when hordes of bodies are like. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So like, it sounds like hordes of bodies is a new you standard. Know, my friends and we're playing a game. Yes, we can crank out a 2000 point game in an hour and a half. No issue. 
hate the game link because even though 2000 points is less models on the table than previous editions 1850 i've had a lot of problems with people who are slow playing their hordes they try to play horde armies they're not good enough at the game they haven't done enough practice games like i, I play imperial guard for example it's a lot of bodies and knowing this i know i need to get in at least turn four so i could table a lot of my opponents I play a lot of practice games to get to where I can run through my shooting phases really quick. Go and don't forget my rules. I know my stats off the top of my head. I had a guy who only had 76 models on the table playing Tyranids, and he took 71 minutes of a two and a half hour game to do his first turn. What? And the judges refused to penalize him for slow play. What? Did you mace so those like, judges? I was like, let me <laughs> let me fix this right here. So I, that was the beginning of turn one. So I went in the bottom of turn one. I shot him down to nine models going into turn two. 27 minutes to move nine models and do his hand to hand phase. How, how, like, that for, the first, and if, consider, <laughs> dude, anybody pick up dice and shake them 25 plus times before each roll. And the problem is, in eighth edition, you're rolling so much, it's like, I got to roll a handful of dice just to see how many handfuls of dice I need to roll for my actual attacks, then for resolution. Then, you know, it's like, hashtag streamline, bro. Many handfuls of dice you have to roll when this guy picks up a handful of dice and shakes them 25 times before he rolls them you're gonna be there a while oh my word oh my word that sounds like a blast so at like at renegade open in minnesota uh there were two and a half hour rounds was set up i don't think any of the games got i played i didn't play any game that got past turn four there were some people who were struggling to get past just to finish turn three no joke. I mean that that's that's a I mean that's an issue with horde armies in general. Like if you're not playing them all the time and things like that. Like yes, you did say that you know you practice your army like you you completely like intimately understand your army and all that jazz. But I mean even now, solar oxes players and militia players like they they do take longer to play, Scott. But yep. Hey, I'll tell you right now, I've never, ever, ever had a game of heresy go longer than two hours. Fucking period. <laughs> Yeah, like I don't 2, take long. points. That's never ever happened to me. I, th I think the longest point in the seventh edition game, I think you'll agree, is when people are rolling quad mortars. They're rolling for all the shots, all the scatters. They got to see how many models they get. They got to roll all the. That's the longest part of a game in seventh ed right now for heresy is like quad mortars firing. Well, it's multiple multiple barrage. Yes, or like a weapon of like if you have like ten dudes with missile launchers and you fire fragments. But because templates are gone, you've turned so many of these damn guns into where it's like the gun just shoots dice amount of shots. So you have to roll all these dice just to figure out the amount of shots. Then you have to roll all those shots. Then you have to roll all those wounds. Well, but then like, and then every. Every step has a re-roll because yeah. everybody crams a bunch of... Oh, look, I get to pick up all these ones and re-roll them. Pick up all my ones on a re-roll there and re-roll them. Oh, I'm going to play this stratagem so I can re-roll these re-rolls. Is that, a, is that an aspect of 8th edition that you like, though? The whole removing of templates? or Like, if you could bring, if you could bring some aspects of 8th into 7th, what would you do? What would you bring? I'm neutral on the template issue. I, I have some problems since they removed the templates. Um... Uh, but I don't know. It, to me, it, the template thing fixed as much as it broke. I I would love to bring 7th edition terrain over. The terrain aggravates me because terrain is so unimportant. All it does is give you a cover save. That's it. it it's pretty stable. It's like, why is this even here? To me, the 40K and Heresy and all of it was all about a game that had beautiful tabletops and nice scenery and everything like that. And Literally, none of it means anything, hardly anything anymore. So there's no, so no like... Frustrating on that front. No line of sight blocking or anything like that anymore. It's all just cover. You have line of sight blocking, and nothing nothing restricts your movement. Like at most, if you charge through trees, you have your charge. That's it. 
loose two inches on your chart. Very few things restrict your movement. The cover safe for being in trees is the same for being in hardened ruins. It, it doesn't make any difference what you're in. No shit. You can run up the sheer side of a building. Yep. You can run through solid. I can't see through a solid wall. I can't shoot through a solid wall, but I can charge through it for some reason. <laughs> you just Kool-Aid man through that shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. Right through the solid wall. Levels don't mean anything. And then because there's a solid wall and you can't see for shots, that means you can't overwatch me. There's not even a chance for overwatch. But they just so come through. Sneak attack, dude. Yes. Yep. There's some really silly shit you can do with some of the terrain, and that's it. Trades the frustrating factor to me. The biggest me, thing I like is the vehicles are more durable. Other than that, most of it I don't care for. You were explaining something to me, you. like where people value short models because you can stick a short model behind. But oh then... yes, uh, characters. <laughs> you can't target a character unless they're the closest model in the game. The silliest. I do this with my Death Guard, and it aggravates people all the time because uh, characters cannot be targeted unless they are the absolute closest model to the fire. So what I do is I run Nurglings out in front. And if you've ever seen a base of Nurglings, they're very short. So they can literally stand right up next to a wall and you can't see them because they're hidden behind the wall. So all these Nurglings are hidden behind the wall. And then my sorcerer stands behind them and throws spells and does all kinds of damage. They can't even see the Nurglings, but they honestly cannot shoot the sorcerer because the Nurglings are the closer unit, even though they can't see them. <laughs> they, <laughs> that's so dirty. Nice. That's such a mind fuck. Like, I'm going to fuck that sorcerer up. I'm going to position a force to, to fuck him up. And Oh, nerdlings? What? <laughs> They're just sitting there just safe behind cover. <laughs> I, I know I you want to like, shoot him, son. flyers start on but the table. Can't. So it makes flyers a little more relevant. You can get them into the game faster, but seem to be a little more durable. I like that. Curse and heresy of having, oh, I got this land raider, and it gets one shot. I'm like, oh, I give up. <laughs> vehicles <laughs> when it comes to heresy. I just stick to infantry and light vehicles because it's like everything I ever had to run this big and heavy distance to get one shot off the table for me. I hear you. I hear you on that one. Doesn't help you play here. Yeah. Wire, king of this, king of that. I don't look at this. Uh, 80,000 melted guns. Melt the bombs. Well, people just know how to deal yeah. with that shit. Like everybody else is like, blade is the blah, blah. like you bring a fell blade here, like eh, yeah, cool, whatever, fell blade, and then like everybody, like everybody has like four all comers lists that will kill your fell blade, like no problem. <laughs> yeah, dude, I <laughs> yeah, there's there's ways to deal with a fell blade. If you don't have a, a an answer in your list, then well, you deserve to get fucked up by a fell blade. <laughs> The stupidest and most aggravating thing about 8th, I think, in my opinion, is all the turn one charge. Charge that's available. Like, every army that comes out has got two or three ways you can pull out turn one charges. Oi. Well. And then what happened? I mean, but you can just leave combat, so I don't know. Well, the other problem with that is, in a game that's already lacking tabletop tactics, once you're... Because this is something from that Games Workshop uh, Ask Me Anything that made me laugh, where... The game designer said Games Workshop is like allergic to math. Like if you if you're a game designer that works there and you bring up that you want to use math, they literally get mad at you. And the funny thing about that is, it, 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 once you get into assault, once models are touching bases, math equation. That's it. The tactics are done. Like once you get there and your models are touching, that's it. They're, you just roll dice until someone loses. It's math at that point. So. Evolved, you know, doesn't have any real, in my opinion, like a lot of the tactics are eliminated. 
game that just drops in and then immediately hits an assault, you're literally just playing a math equation. So why even get miniatures out? No. Want to take Bobby G out of the equation in a game? All you do is you swarm him with conscripts and he spends the entire rest of the fight trying to fight 60 bodies on him. Yeah, that's an old, <laughs> old monstrous creature. Everyone he kills right is worth four points. Good for you. You know, everyone he kills is worth four points. Good for you. What, 150 conscripts to equal your point value? You're doing great, Bobby G. <laughs> <laughs> he has a preset kill limit on him. <laughs> Very cool, man. Very cool. Well, all right, man. I think the biggest frustration you're going to have. Oh, oh sorry. sorry. I think the biggest problem you're going to have is if they ever tried to turn heresy in the eighth, though. It's just the, the sheer way that the everything shifted so hard. Everybody's going to have all these units that are certainly no longer any good, and all these other units that nobody has are really good. Now you're talking about a game where the models are really expensive and you're going to have people like just throw their arms up and walk away from it because they don't want to have to go spend 450 to $500 more on their army they already have built just to get the good units again. Yeah, it sounds like, uh, sound, definitely sounds like they took like a like an X-Wing approach to it where they kind of like just are live FAQing stuff. But, I mean... But, it's even more so. They're they're starting to do this uh, live beta testing stuff. I compare it directly to what Privateer Press does for War Machine. Yeah. So, but like there, for years, I've been so many people that have like suggested that Games Workshop go more towards like the Privateer Press style, where they live beta test things and all that jazz. Like, is, is think it, about that though. He plays he plays War Machine. Yeah, I play War Machine as well. And it causes the problem you make or you create a list that's really good. And then what happens is when it goes out and starts stomping tournaments, because anything in competitive play, as soon as it hits a tournament, internet, because of all the blogs, the podcasts, the whatever. Right. People find out about it. Everybody runs out who's a big competitive player, goes and buys all these models, throws copycats of that list up. Then it starts winning tournaments everywhere. And then at that point, the company goes, oh, this is really broken. And then they nerf it. And then now you got models that are useless. Johnny plays in the basement and you've been painting your whatever just because you like it and you only have one unit of it and it's not really optimized list to abuse it. You still get hammered on it and they're terrible and won't even work for you anymore. And that happens real bad with the privateer press because I have a group in Illinois I play with that are old college buddies and we just play in the basement for fun, but a couple of them play competitive. They go and run crazy competitive stuff and then all the time I just play it for fun and then all the time we turn around and then all of a sudden stuff you had is either you got one of them and everybody's trying to buy four or the stuff you actually had four of is terrible now and you don't even have a reason to bring one more or less four. So, so hey, let me at, ask you this. Okay. Being look, a guy who plays both game systems, what game system would you recommend more for narrative players? Seventh. Yeah, there you go. That's pretty, I mean, it's eighth is more of like a, I don't know, a, a first miniature game, I guess. It's easier to learn, but it doesn't have the in-depth for right. the story. Yeah, it, it almost sounds like Eighth Edition is like is made for competitive playing. Is what it sounds like. I mean, it, yeah, I would say so. Like it's it, <laughs> it, it sounds like this is like a tailored fucking game for like this competitive is a huge play. argument on the side on all, all the forums. Do people will argue because they have this quote unquote open play with power level and narrative play, and I'm like, I get you. But I don't know hardly anybody who plays that way. Yeah, every one person I know that plays that way. Your goddamn fifteen people play match play. Yeah, this fucking such a ridiculous ass argument. All ten of you who fucking 
represent this vast, vast portion of the 40K community who enjoy narrative play, like, you're not the fucking indicator of that community's mindset because you and your five friends do something. Power level doesn't, it sounds like a novel idea, but it doesn't work. Because anybody who, say, for example, you have these incredible enthusiasts of hobbies like myself or Ryan, who has massive collections of a game he plays. <clears throat> if you were to play power level, you would just stomp somebody new who comes into the game. Because he comes in new with his three squads. He has what he has, and it costs him, say, 10 points per squad. Yeah, that's all. Well, for my 10 points per squad, because we have these extensive collections, Ryan pulls out all the best plasma guns, which are top in the game, and then can put the awesome heavy weapons like last cannons or missile launchers in the squads. But yet the whole squad costs the same amount of points as this poor other guy. It just got 10 guys of bolters. Oh, that's cool. You got 30 points yeah. worth of uh, tactical marines. Here's 30 points worth of fire raptor. <laughs> Good fucking yeah, luck. The <laughs> thing about this is, and I don't mean to like rant or anything, but maybe I do. It's when people complain that the heresy community is elitist and it's hard to get into. Good. Good. I hope it's hard to get into. <laughs> I hope you have to put effort forward participating in this and if you're lazy fuck off don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out no one's going to miss you no one's going to care it's just like the imperium hasta la vista motherfucker like i want it to be elitist i want it to be high standard because i don't want lazy motherfuckers who don't paint their shit and don't give a fuck about the immersive experience and I I see that online so much. Well, this is you you guys are being inclusive, or it's hard to get into. Good, good. Most good things are. I'm sorry, fucking socialists. Get the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you made the comment earlier where you said it's kind of like the historical of sci-fi games, and I yeah. agree. You look at a lot of historical miniature games; they're very yeah. small. Plays all collected. Yeah, they're very small hobbyist communities that play a lot of historicals, and that's kind of basically what. 30k is it's the historical version of the 40k community it's a small leader community and it's more right tainted than it is i just want to throw power levels at the game and go nuts yeah i just that's just something that's so crazy i think it's great that they're both offerings so whoever wants to do both you know they have the option to to go the avenue they want i think that's great oh yeah exactly I just hate the argument that everything has to be the same. Fucking hang on there, Chairman Mao. Like, goddamn. <laughs> I agree with you there. No, yeah, it's it's pretty wild, man. I mean, it's there's there's a whole lot of. I mean, I I hear you know different. Of course, you know, being on the heresy side of the game, of course, I'm gonna hear about the bad aspects of 40k. Like, I never like nobody's ever trying to convert me over to play eighth with them. Uh, there's people that you know try and convert me to play like Necromunda with them or to play you know Shadow Wars, but nobody's ever trying to get me into Eighth. Um, but you know that uh, we have a number of local guys that play like a lot of Eighth, so I never really get to hear about you know somebody who's in, who's playing both games and is juggling both sides of it and is you know can see the 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 good and the bad of both sides. But would you say that <clears throat> just looking at from because you've always been a competitive player, right? Right. So, so would you say Game that? Or another. Well, he's not like he's not a pure competitive in everything. Like he plays competitive in 40k. That's why he plays yeah. 40k. Yeah. No, when no. he plays 30k, he doesn't play that way. Yeah, no, I, I understand. I still understand completely. I, I've got, I've got, okay. I've got a few buddies that they're just competitive 40k players, but they do also play Horus Heresy 
but they you know they, they get on talking and, and they're just they're gone uh but but in your case would you say for the competitive community would you say that eighth edition is more healthy or was old seventh edition healthier for for the competitive player eighth is more healthy eighth is healthier sadly I won't say sad. I don't know. Sadly, it's it's healthy because it offers more for everybody's army. Seventh was very lopsided to like ruling the game. The ruling the game. Well, it, it almost sounds like here. it almost sounds like you you're almost forced to purchase more models in eighth though. Is that I mean? But yes, you are. So so does that set the That's benchmark? Total, man, we know that. That's how they fucking do shit. Well, They've done it since fifth. <laughs> Since Matt Ward started writing Codex, this has been the business model. Unit A. Everybody buys broken Unit A, abuses the fuck out of it. Then, Games Workshop creates broken Unit B, which is the counter to broken Unit A. It's like the vaccine. Yeah. So buy broken Unit B to counter broken Unit A, or you can't win. Then that breaks the game, so they have to make broken Unit C. It continues on until you get to like broken unit F and then everyone's forgot about broken unit A. It's not even a fucking thing anymore because you've already you're five stages beyond that. Then they it just gets like it's such a shit stack of brokenness that everybody's mad and everybody like gets all up in arms about to fucking quit the game. And then they just go, Oh look, new edition, and everybody fucking gets amnesia and the like just totally fucking like they get men in black. And then they fucking <laughs> go right back to buying fucking models. Like nothing ever happened. Is it's that- the dumbest fucking thing. Like, and I'm one of them. Games Workshop has the most fucking rumors that there are, and I'm one of them. I'm calling myself that. So don't get all fucking mad. But I'm just throwing it out there. Like we need to really, in a community and people who buy Games Workshop products, needs to seriously rethink and like actually critical think about what's yep. going on and be honest about it. That's all I'm saying. All through 7th, they were very slow about coming out with new models, and then when the new CEO took over, they started cranking up their production of new models. So the idea in 7th was we're going to make you... To have the broke thing, you need to have this formation, which might be four or five units you already had, but here's this one obscure unit you have to have to make the formation that nobody was buying, so now everybody had to run out and buy that one obscure thing. And then now that they've ramped up their production, for example, all this new Primaris stuff, it's like, okay, well, here's all these new Primark releases, these new characters, these you know the Triumvirates they came out with, and then here's all these Primaris Marines, and here's these new... The key example, when they first came out with Primaris, they were so overpointed, they were absolutely terrible on the tabletop. Nobody ran them in competitive play because they were overpointed and underused. And they've constantly gone back, and there's been four, at least three adjustments on the points for all the Primaris Marines now. Maybe four. Oh, my God. That is you're talking. So this is only awesome. the end of June. Since the end of June, they've creeped the points down on these guys at least three times, maybe four. Dude, Damn, I can dude. tell you this: if I put that much money and that much time and that much effort into painting something that looked fucking good, and then two weeks after I got finished with it, someone retconned the fucking points on it, I would lose my mind, man. I would be looking into how to make homemade anthrax. Like that is. Well, yeah, that's what you have to understand. That's why Scott's uh, joking. Scott would not do that, he would not, and I would not help him bury the body in my backyard. Ryan podcast is not affiliated with fucking. <laughs> so many people had that mentality; they sold off their collections in rage when this stuff happens. And I've picked up a lot of people's collections at decent oh, prices. He has like all my armies. Like, I bought all some of Ryan's armies. I bought some parts of armies off other people and stuff. And then, fortunately, if you're like a position like me where I'm retired and I have 
some disposable income, and now I have these big collections. When something gets broke, something else becomes good. Usually, I could two out of three times I could usually just put that on a shelf and go, okay, it's time to pull these off and dust them off. So I only have to worry about what's what's new and what's released. And I like, for example, all this primary stuff that come out. I didn't buy any of it because they were terrible when they first came out. Now that they're finally creeping down in the competitive, I'm going to wait and see where they even fall before I even think about buying any of them. But there's this model of here's overpowered unit A and then B and then whatever. They're just doing that now, but now they can, now they can like go back and fucking get you twice. Like they can go, here's this thing. We're going to make it 30 points and everybody runs out and buys it. Oh, everybody's bitching because it's too powerful. Well, we'll just, you know, make it 50 points, and now everybody has to run out and buy something different because they can't use this anymore. And then also we look like a hero, like we're saving the oh. game, even though we're just putting out a fucking fire that we started. Prime example, those priests that you were handing me tonight. A Nurgle priest that came out for the Renegade Army. Everybody was buying those and using them for Malefic Lords. I ordered some from one of our people. I got them in. Now that I have them in, chapter approved came out two weeks ago, and they went from 40 points to 80 points. And I'm like, yep, they're trash. Never use them now. These will just go in a bag and sit on shelves. Before I even got them in. That's fucking wild, but man. But if you were an actual full-on consumer and ordered these things from Forge World and spent $75 plus probably shipping, you dropped almost 100 bucks to buy four or five of these. But see, everybody just keeps fucking buying in and doing it. Every time they change the yep. points, they fucking scratch it and go buy new stuff. It and Games Workshop can just keep getting away with it because well, I mean, everybody just runs out and buys shit. Like for for a company, that sounds like a really healthy way to do it. And like, hopefully, you don't piss off enough people. Healthy. Yeah, dude, you're just you're moving models, man. You're moving them like you're getting them <laughs> out. You, but who who's like who who's the driver for these point changes? Like like us in like Horus Heresy Land. You know, you play. You know, we've been trying to get Destroyers right. points down for for years now. <laughs> like like who. Like how fast? Like, well, who's the guy? First like, of all, who's doing it? They had they had these quote unquote play testers for Eighth Edition. Uh, there were the people who were participated in Nova, Frontline Gaming. That's really big in the ITC. Hey, they have any forty k narrative players play test that? No, no, <laughs> no, they sure didn't. It was all we didn't find one of those ten guys to fucking come and play test. But that, that being the case, I've I've had this discussion with other people amongst our group whose names I won't mention. So I'll take the heat round on this one. I feel like GW M of the 2000s so far, when they basically got Frontline Gaming and all these other guys to sign on as pro as playtesters, and then they sign them on as playtesters, they get all this stuff early. They have to sign all these non-disclosure agreements, and they can't say anything bad. If you look at literally look at Signals from the Frontline podcast, they cannot say anything bad. Everything that comes out, oh, it's the next greatest product. Oh, it's the next greatest product. They can have nothing negative to say about it. So what happened is, and even if GW chooses to not listen to the playtesters, uh, yeah, we hear what you're saying, but we're going to do this anyway. For a key example, launch, it was the whole thing. If, if I was done deploying first, as we went back and forth, unit to unit to unit to unit. If I'm done first, I got first turn. So people would like try to build the smallest army possible. That's what the five units. storm ravens was. The so thing. yeah, so you could always go first. And honestly. Was, and everybody who playtested was like, this is a bad idea. But they couldn't say that publicly. You had to talk to these guys privately, and they're like, yeah, we told them they're aware of the problem. But GW's like, no, no, we're going to do this. This is what we want to do. So they went and did it. Well, we all do all it. the tournaments changed it right off the bat. 
and said, nope, it's just going to be a roll off. If you're done deploying first, you get a plus one. And then who got shit on by that? Yeah. (laughs) Literally everybody went after on the forums, on the frontline gaming. Reese and Frankie took so many heat rounds from the community. And every time something's broken, GW, they're like, Oh my fucking god! You guys are the playtester. Why did you let this happen? Oh, you guys are dog shit. Oh, you guys are such shills. All you do is suck GW dick, and it's like unbelievable. You're just like, <clears throat> and they caught so many heat rounds, and they've been, they've literally, it's gotten so bad that all the playtesters have kind of stepped back and said, okay, now that this year is done on this contract, we don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> and the bad guy for any of this stuff, these guys have. So now GW is starting to do this whole beta testing thing where the tournaments are going to beta test rules and it's going to be community driven like privateer press does. So the, so the last words, <laughs> so the, the tournaments are beta testing the rules. Like how do they get the rules out and how far ahead do you get the rules to beta test? The, the Warhammer community site has some of the thing about beta testing out. One of the rules, for example, right now that's being beta tested. One of the key problems in eighth ed at competitive play is smite spam. I don't know if you've heard about that. Yes, I have. Smite's a, the current beta test rule is, I'm oh, sorry. Can you explain Cast Smite? Because not everybody has, not okay. all our Horus Heresy players have. It's a psychic power. It's a power level of five. I roll two dice. If I make my five, it goes off. If I roll an 11 or a 12 through any modifications, it becomes a full dice power. Basically, when it goes off, it has an 18-inch range. Closest unit, they take D3 mortal wounds, which are basically straight-up wounds that you do not get any kind of save against, not even invulnerable saves. Only feel-no-pain works against it, basically. Something. Although they don't call it feel-no-pain anymore. But... <laughs> It's a hell of a way of killing things. Like if you have Mortarian who has 18 wounds and a re- or even Magnus with a ridiculous and vulnerable save, you're just like, oh, well, here, take a D3, take a D3, take a D3. And, I, and it's really easy to cast on two dice with only needing the five. People will spam casters, throw it maximum amount of times, try to kill things. And it's become a real problem in the game. Well, the new beta test rule says the first time you cast it, it's normal. You're at a plus one, so the target number of five becomes a six. The next time it becomes a seven, the next time it's an eight, and so on and so forth. It's to help cut down the amount of people who are spamming, like throwing it 12 and 13 times a turn. Very cool. Okay. The current beta test rules that are out there. No shit. So I know some of the upcoming tournaments like LVO is going to be using it. LVO is having the ITC finals here at the uh, beginning of February, or sorry, end of January. So they're using that, but I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. But there's a couple of the beta test rules like that that are going to be out there and starting to get used. And then after they get used to the tournament scene for like a year, they're going to get rated by the community on whether or not they're going to go forward with it, change it, or modify it in some way. And then when they release chapter approved at the end of each year, those will have the new rules in it, and those will be the new permanent rules for the game overall. Like the whole thing with going first we were talking about, that was literally put in the new chapter approved that dropped two weeks ago. So after the game was only out seven months, they backtracked and changed their mind on that. So so as a as a competitive player who came from seventh, would you like so so back in seventh, whenever something was broken and everybody knew this thing was broken Mm -hmm. and you knew that it was gonna be months before it was fixed. You you would come up with different ways to counter that, and then it almost seems like after a while that thing, everybody knew how to counter that army, and so that army just kind of fell off because everybody took counters for it. It, it almost seems like an yes. eighth that that can't happen anymore because it's just a consistent flow of new rules coming out. Do you think it's like 
consistent flow of new rules. You have one to two new codexes every month, so it's constantly changing. So it allows like, them to accelerate their money making plan. Yep. <laughs> I mean that, that's that, all that it's about. <laughs> absolutely, that's what I'm thinking right now. Like it, it definitely looks like a, a very lucrative business model, especially for for the competitive players. You know how Magic the Gathering works, where cards fall out and they fucking yeah. ban and restrict things. And yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Let's not even get into that. They came out with Magic the Gathering for Games Workshop too. Inspire is just Magic the Gathering with miniatures. It's yeah. a streamlined you buy your board business game. Model. You buy your one unit. Yep. No, don't get me wrong, Streamline, man. It's a great, it's a great business model. As a game player, it sucks because you're constantly forking out money and having to change things to keep I, up with it. I'm I'm a huge Magic: The Gathering fan, okay, and I used to follow the circuit. And like I absolutely love Magic: The Gathering. However, Magic: The Gathering is not the same cost that you're looking at to get a full warm. It's nope. not the same type of investment. You but you go and you pick up the latest cards. You know, you pick up the latest set that you want or the the, you know, you try and build a deck based on, you know, who's like some combo you saw. And then the next thing you, you get the card in off of eBay or, you know, any other card buying site, you sleeve it and you go like, that's yeah. it. Like that's, then you got a whole binder full of shit. Well, the, like that's the problem is the hobby investment. Like by the time you build and paint these things and it's already outdated, it just encourages you to buy and fucking <clears throat> do the three color, like, I'm going to paint these guys black, bolt guns black, throw some wash on them, they're done, because yep. in three months I'm not going to use them anymore yep. in my tournament. Yep. Shit hobby. How, That's all that it does. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely. It makes Games Workshop money. Hobby. Yep. On the competitive scene, I'll agree with that, because it's a huge problem in the privateer press side. You go to tournaments, and like you have all these people who don't even have painted armies put together, and then even the people Jesus. who do don't have nice display boards. I want to say Michigan GT was the first competitive tournament I was at where they actually... <laughs> you uh, obtained a flat-out score in your overall rating for your display board and your army appearance and theme. And that was huge. Uh, some of the tournaments, they still have a painting competition, but it doesn't figure into your overall. Aaron Along is one of the top players in the country. He's here. He's a really damn good player, but his army looks like trash on the table. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's basically three-color tabletop standard with flock put on the base. Yeah, and it's a mix of shit. It's like, oh, I want Kazarkin, so I just, like, Kazarkins that are getting out of the game, and then I have like three different fucking paint schemes within the squad, but I don't really care because it's painted and it meets the painting requirement. Exactly. That's but that's he wins a, the tournaments. That's actually what I was going to ask: is like what the painting standard was. Does it affect your score? How many painted armies are you seeing on the tabletop? Like, are, are tournaments restricting non-painted armies or non-painted armies? Like, since GW's gotten involved in the tournament, there used to not be. ITC was absolutely awful. You'd see people with unassembled models, unpainted stuff on the table all the time in 7th. Now that GW's more directly involved with the competitive scene, there's actually restrictions of your model needs to be 50% GW most of the time. That sucks. have three-color standard, and there has to be flocked and based. And if you're these counts as is bad anymore like there was cases last year at lvo and seventh edition where a guy was running his beautifully painted ultramarines army but they all counted as white scars because white scars had the better rules at the time Ugh. i believe that you can't do that now because there needs to be clear distinct uh recognizable color patterns to tell you so you can tell who's supposed to be getting what bonuses because there's so many things in eighth edition that give you these radius and bonuses like for example a space wolf chapter master well obviously he only buffs space wolves so everything he's uh, he's supposed to be a space wolf he needs to be painted space wolf so you can tell what's getting the bonuses what's not 
So, so I mean, but but they just rattle can the fucker gray yeah. painting with some seraphim sepia and paint his ball gun black and go yep. good and put two red highlights on the model and call it a day. Yeah, you you do get that sadly. So, so that's I mean, if if we're playing devil's advocate here, that, like that's healthier for eighth edition. That's healthier for the competitive track. That's healthier for forty k yeah. in general. So. And that's not to say that Small I don't wind. see some beautiful hobbyists in tournament. I do see some really beautiful armies out there on occasion, and I usually take pictures of all the really good armies I see. I would, I would definitely say the healthier comment though comes at the caveat of we're making a very clear distinction between those two communities. So, right? Yep. Yeah. I don't often see people with the beautifully painted armies in the top ten. If you see one of them, it's going to be one or two guys out of the two out of the top ten that had the beautifully painted armies that were all nicely done, beautiful display boards, so on and so forth. The other eight were the guys who put together the top best thing and three color painted it and got it on the table as quick as possible and then won. Yeah. Well that's what's so funny to me is there are people who will who will state that like you know obviously I'm sh- it's gotta be doing eighth edition's got to be doing better than ever, I'm sure. But when you say that in the metric you present for that argument is, well, look how many people go to this tournament. All you're telling me is that the vast majority of your community is only focused towards competitive play, which isn't something I use so much in 30K. Yeah, unfortunately, the entire 8th edition meta is being driven by the tournament because your points are constantly right. changing, your rules are constantly changing. They're all being changed by what's being found problems in competitive play. So the entire eighth meta whether people want to say i'm playing casual or not better the better whether they like it or not damn that's right, crazy right. that's that's like exactly like magic the gathering yeah like 100 yeah. percent, like just 100 percent magic the gathering the the deck builds are based on tournament play and based on what they you know what they restrict and what they allow to be it feels like GW took a lot of lessons from Privateer Press. If you look at Spiky Bits, they always release this article every year as like the top five miniature games and sales. Yeah. And GW, of course, has always been at the top, but one of those games that creeped up there for a lot of years was War Machine Hordes. And they crept up there because a lot of the competitive players left the 40K side and went to there because it is a very clean rule set for competitive play. And kudos to them for and that. You get to play and, on your mouse pad with your shitty yeah. sculpts and your unpainted stuff. And yeah system for competitive pay and then gw is like hey this drew a lot of people these guys came from like out of nowhere onto the top five list maybe if we take some of this and apply it to our model not if it has Mm. that's pretty wild man that is definitely pretty wild man this is such a good conversation like oh my gosh like i'm so not what we intended at all (laughs) (laughs) hey dude it's like this worked man i appreciate that like it's definitely definitely fucking. Yeah, this cool, was sure. gonna be a real shitter if Chris hadn't showed up. <laughs> <laughs> this whole episode was heading for the deep end. And Chris gave all of our horse no, heresy. Don't get me wrong. Inside. I'm not an expert. I'm not an expert, but this is just my opinion from what I've seen. And I've this year I've traveled to Nova. I've been to Minneapolis, Minnesota for the Renegade Open. Uh. Going to Adepticon this year. I've been to a lot of the big tournaments and a lot of the local tournaments, and this is what I've seen at all these locations. And you, you play a number of games too, correct? I'm running an event here in, in in the city in February, and then, of course, I read and follow all the competitive blogs. Is it sold out, your event? My event's sold out, and I'm having to expand the venue. I already have a wait list of four people, and I'm trying to expand the venue to get about another six okay. tables. I was going to say you could shout it out if you wanted to. 
firm with the manager, he's going to let me expand more tables in okay. first. Just, just uh, real quick, uh, it, it's like, oh, for one. You, but you also said you played a number of games as well. Like you play forty yes. k, you play thirty k, Dark Age, like thirty k. I was a big fan of uh, Spartan Games before they went under, which has now been bought out by uh, War Cradle Studios. I used to play their Dystopian Wars. I used to play uh, Firestar Armada. Uh, I've played BattleTech for years. Uh, I've played 15 millimeter Napoleonics for a long time. I haven't for a long time though. I've got still got a bunch whole army of British for that sitting in the. That's how you know when you're a legit ass old school gamer is when Dude, for real. you say you play 15 <laughs> Napoleonics, bro. <laughs> Napoleonics and 15 millimeter. That is some true played, OG shit, right? Yeah, there. I played uh, Flames of War in 15 millimeter for a lot of years until the recent edition came out. Uh, the recent edition had a lot of changes. It kind of streamlined. It did the same thing Eighth did for 40k, <laughs> and I kind of walked away from it. Like, I don't need to be playing two games. It did the exact same thing, so I kind of walked away from it because I used to play that more for and the problem is the community here in Indianapolis is all about the competitive. So I kind of gave that up. Old college buddies in Illinois, we're actually looking at jumping into a Pike and Shot now for Warlord Games. They're the ones that make bolt action, the 25-millimeter World War II one. Pike and Shot is kind of a 25-millimeter scale game that said the 30 years war with the Christians versus the Protestants, me, Catholics versus the Protestants. And if you look at it, Looking at the models and looking at the time period, you can see the time period influenced heavily a lot of the original Warhammer fantasy because you're talking, you have the old uh, BSs and snipers that have like the incredibly long blunderbusses or whatever with the tripods yeah. or the bipod. Oh, yeah. A lot of, and then you have the, the horse mounted cavalry with full chest plates, but yet run them with flintlock pistols and everything. Yeah. So you can see a lot of heavy influence from that time frame. Cr- right Chris also is on our Dark Age podcast. Yeah, no, that's, I know you played Dark, Dark Age. Age. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's me, me, Chris, and Jacob, our other buddy. Uh, we all do Dark Age here. Yeah. And then, of course, I play War Machine and Horse, too, so for that. What's the, I guess, what's the uh, the healthiest rule set that you've seen out of all the games, like, in your opinion? Because it seems like all around you're kind of a competitive mm-hmm. player in a lot of a lot of tracks. But what do, what do you think is, like, the If you want to do competitive, the absolute... The absolute healthiest competitive system is the War Machine Hordes. I just wish it was more aesthetically pleasing. But the rule set's very clean. It's very legit. You don't have a problem. Uh, everything's clear cut. There's no... Even with the templates, you know... To me, they have a template system for some weapons, and it's like it tends to cut a lot of the... I don't know, argument you have, like you have in a seventh about whether or not I can get eight or nine models in there. You just throw it down. You say it's hitting seven models, but you have to establish hit rules for all the models. And for example, in privateer press. Yeah. But that being said, people, I understand that. I guess people argued at tournaments. When have you ever in a 30 K game argued about a template? I haven't. All my <laughs> arguments and templates were in seventh edition when I used to do uh, competitive play. Yeah. Well, all right, man, there you have it. <laughs> From his mouth directly, boys. Anything about Dark Age? I love Dark Age. It's a skirmish level game. It's probably the best skirmish level game I've seen, and that's one of the reasons we've gotten so heavily into it. Yeah, I agree. I fucking love it. Which is the whole reason I was like, Necromunda. nothing against Necromunda. It's like, I already got a skirmish level game that's filling my niche, or so why bother? Yeah, and it's not like a fucking fifth tier game that'll be forgotten about in four Exactly. Like- the rules are, you know, the game designer is very hands-on. It has a... I don't have to worry about, oh, I bought this model, and now two months later, it sucks. <laughs> I dig it, man. I dig it. That's, that's fucking 
Man, I'm glad we got to pick your brain on that. Glad we got to pick your brain on that. Well, that's the hobby progress section. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, man. We got to get some voicemails and shit. Let's talk about 10 Days of Heresy. Let's, let's go ahead and let's rock and roll into that, guys. If you've looked at our Facebook page, uh, you've probably seen the 10 Days of Heresy come up. Uh, guys, that was... I've seen it. Yeah, oh yeah, we get notifications for it because every time we get shared or liked or somebody gets tagged, uh, it lets us know. Uh, but guys, just a heads up, that was sponsored by Shapeways and uh, Pop Goes the Monkey. And it's just something, when you see these things on our Facebook page like that, uh, it just lets us know that, you know, once again, you, you've probably heard us throughout this entire year talk about different things that we've been doing with Shapeways. Uh, they completely 100% sponsored that. They put up all the funds for it, everything like that, just to, you know, get their name out there. But also they realize that, you know, they want to work with us as a podcast. And so uh, appreciate all you guys who have participated in the 10 Days of Heresy. If you haven't seen it, uh, this will go up today. So you probably have uh, uh, probably what i think like three days left on it so you probably have two days to go to our facebook page just tag your friend and uh, like the status in our page and you have a chance to win a uh, a set of pop goes the monkeys 3d shoulder pads and like we said guys go check out shapeways go check out their facebook page you'll give them a like everything like that because they are absolutely working with the community on this one they're, they're working with a number of different uh uh warhammer you know, podcasts or websites or things like that to, to get not only their name out there, but also to, uh, they're promoting internally within the, the actual podcast community. So definitely thank you. Thank you. Shapeways. I wanted to shout you guys out and let you guys know who might've missed that. I don't know how you missed it. Cause that shit was all over the fucking internet and every fucking day, like it made, it made really good sense at the time. And then, you know, we're what, seven days in now and they haven't haven't gotten to properly it use Facebook. It just won't stop. <laughs> it, it is a battery melding motherfucker. I had to like battery on my iPhone four times in one day between our <laughs> patron chat going off, uh the podcast chat going off, my local game club, and then all those Facebook notifications. I was like the apocalypse had happened. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> no way you can be a member of this podcast and still have Facebook notifications turned on your phone. Because I know that <laughs> motherfucker is about ready to start time traveling at any moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, guys, it, it, it it's been pretty wild. It's but you know, definitely once again, thank you, Shapeways. I think you pop goes the monkey as well. Uh you guys, you're doing great, Matt. Old Matt Schweitzer, man. He's really stepping his game up, guys. If you haven't checked out Matt's uh, Matt's uh, latest Shapeways, if you go to popgoesthemonkey.com, it's actually shapeways.com forward slash popbits. Uh, here recently and this week, he actually came out with upgrades that I definitely think that you need to go check out. Uh, they're upgrades for the normal Mars pattern Rhino. That takes the Mars Pattern Rhino doors and turns them into the circular doors that you see on the Demos Pattern Rhinos. Um, and as well, Pretty sweet. he offers a front plate that turns the front plate from the normal, you know, single slit front plate to the two massive, like, armor plate front plate. And so he's got those full, fully printable. You can get the whole set. And what's even cooler about that is those doors. He has specialized Legion symbols printed on them as well. So 
if you want, you know, the Blood Angel Legion or, you know, what, what have you, uh, you can go and, and, and start getting those. I know right now he has Blood Angels, Black Templar, uh, and he's he's getting all the legions done, but that's something he's going. to No, he doesn't. Doing. They're like Blood Legion and Black Sabbath <laughs> and, Legion and Templar Legion, Templar Crusaders, <laughs> Templar Crusade Legion. Yeah, they are not at all uh, close to <laughs> wink, wink. Uh, things that other game companies may make. So yeah. if they, you know, maybe have a slight resemblance. You know, maybe you can similar, find a use for them in other games, but they legally make. distinct. <laughs> exactly, one hundred percent. So go check those out, guys. Those are those are new up on the store. He just got done. Uh, he just got done getting those getting those finished. And definitely, if you're not, I don't know if you're following him on Shapeways or if you're following Facebook. Um, follow him on Facebook, and he, you will see the latest things that he announces. He generally drops them pretty quick, and uh, he's apparently got some surprise things that he's working on at the moment. So if you go find Pop Goes the Monkey on Facebook, you'll see some of the cool stuff that he's going to be popping out pretty soon. Didn't uh, didn't he also recently come out with like a combi weapon kit for the top hatch that works pretty well with the rhinos? Yeah, that fits perfectly in the the slots for rhinos absolutely he has a combi weapon kit little turret that goes in them nice it's pretty dope and they turn so definitely something you can go check out guys it's uh it's it's very cool very uh i mean everything that you're looking at he's he's just going to keep working on and it's just going to keep popping it out so i don't know we did the math on it and i think I it like comes out last name. it's not not spelled <laughs> the same as mine but I'll yeah. take it. Whatever. Yeah, he, he adds an E in there for class. <laughs> yeah, I like it. No one mistakes his last name for Switzer, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, as well, guys, we did the we did kind of look at the math on what it would cost to get a Mars Pattern Rhino, and his door set, and I think it comes out to around, like, 50 bucks. <laughs> and we were looking at it, and if you look to go, if you wanted that same Mark One Rhino, that non non Mars pattern, the Demos Rhino, you wanted the Demos pattern with the doors that are Legion specific. I think you come out twenty dollars ahead if you go with just a normal Mars pattern with uh, with Matt's upgrade. And of course, this also helps all you guys out there that have these bundles and bukus of Rhinos lying around, which I'm. Um, do, do rhinos even come and start collecting kit anymore? No? I know they have one with a drop pod. Did you, I, I don't know, man. They've moved all, almost all that non-primary shit over to ATO on the The Dark website. Angels do. do they, they have a rhino? They have a rhino in their start collecting kit? It's a start collecting. It's a tactical squad with a rhino, yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So, yeah. So all those start collecting rhinos you have, you can, uh, you know... Start pushing those over to 30k if you wanted. So. And then as well on that, guys, uh, if you prefer to have resin over the 3D printed acrylic, Blood and Skulls Industries does also offer a Demos upgrade kit. Yeah, there's. I believe they have the Tauros conversion kit for a uh, Demos pattern predator kind of style. <clears throat> and then... Uh, I think they also had the. Let me see. I got it pulled up right here. The uh, they got a lot of stuff. It take me a while to scroll through all this. Uh, Bless. They got some cool ass fucking gun barrels for a fellblade. I know Fuck that. Yeah, they do. 
Oh my god! Have yep. you posted that picture of your fell blade up yet? No, I'm waiting to glue the. I'm waiting on the fuel tanks that Stanford sent me. Yeah, they also have the oh. uh, Sagittarius okay. conversion kit that I know Ryan's been pretty big into. It looks great on the uh, Land Raiders. Yeah, absolutely. It's all right. I only own eight of them. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, if it's just all right, you know. <laughs> but yeah, we nah, we all fucking awesome. We all learned how like. Oh, there it is. Yeah, the the air, they have it under the Ares conversion kit. It has the same kind of uh, rounded doors as well as the exhaust pipes that are similar to <clears throat> kind of how the Demios has them. And then also a uh, front plate and some top hatches. And the the Ares is the conversion. It looks more like a Rhino, whereas the Tauros has the Sponson mounts on it, so you can make it look like a Predator. Yeah, it's more like a 30k predator conversion. And then if you haven't, just check out their store. They got plenty of stuff, all sorts of gun barrels, sponsons, uh, all sorts of like fuel tanks. I filled like I put the Widowmaker barrels on. Skulls, spikes, dozer blades. Yeah, I'm extremely excited for all of our listeners to get to see your fell blade because you told me that you were going to swap out the fell blade barrels for the Widowmaker barrels from Blood and Skulls, and I was like, dude, that's gonna look fucking sweet. But I was worried because I wasn't sure like how the size was going to match up, you know? Like I wasn't sure how, you know, the Widowmaker barrels were going to match up to the Fellblade barrels because sometimes that kind of fucks you like Derek when you ordered those axes that one time. And uh, like I was kind of worried about that. But dude, once you sent those pictures, man, that was probably one of the coolest conversions. Like the Fellblade's already a cool model on its own, but just with those barrels on it, dude, it is... It is top fucking notch. I don't man. like the standard barrels, man. It looks like... This, I feel like the standard barrels ruin the model. It looks like a G.I. Joe toy. They're way too oversized. They have these weird things that connect the barrels, these weird strut things, and it's got these weird... Compensations. How dare you, sir? How dare you? <laughs> yeah, 1960-style Russian tank muzzle brakes. It's really bad. And then we... like We've already talked about... I've already, I'm not going to do it again, but I've already made fun of the fucking... like. Um, just welded to the back like a fucking orc mech did it and they just like put some down in there to you know uh, get this armor 14 12 hole point tank with a fucking oil drum on the back for a gas tank yeah that's legit that makes sense that's what t-34s did <laughs> <laughs> work for the russians we go up in ball of flame <laughs> yeah. so yeah so i'm, I'm really excited they made the tanks diesel Americans that ran their Shermans off gasoline. And it's so a, it's a racket. Classes. You know what the burial cost is for a tank crewman that burns up inside a battle tank? Zero. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> <laughs> you just you just take some flowers out to the ash pile every once in a while, to the steel to the slag pile, and uh, slap that cross on there. Well, weld that cross on the. You're good to go. <laughs> exactly. And then uh, I know some of our longtime listeners know this, but uh, Blood and Skulls Industries also puts out a certain posable mechanoid leg kit that goes fantastic on a Kalth Contemptor. Yeah, it looks very good on a Kalth Contemptor. And that was designed by powerful comrade Quiche over on Shapeways. That was He's a- also working on a, on a sweet land speeder conversion for us. He is also working on a sweet land speeder conversion. He's also working on something else with Matt Switzer. That is a surprise that they're not going to announce until LVO, and they won't even tell me. And I've commissioned both of them, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm offended, but also like, 
kind of humbled by it. <laughs> like, I know you mean you've committed. God's going to be there, so he could tell us. <laughs> you've commissioned him in the past, but I like to think yep. you commissioned them I'll both for there. the secret project, and they just won't tell you what your money is funding. Might not be sober. Got <laughs> some secret shit going on in the laboratory somewhere. Yeah, every time I see those, uh, every time I see those contemptor legs pop up in somebody's model, like I swear that it's just the models. Like whenever they first started coming out, I was like, man, these are badass. Like these look cool. And then like people just keep stepping the fucking game up on these models, like on these, uh, on these uh, 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 contemptors, these Cortis contemptor Cortis. Like I've seen somebody that uses like half the pop goes the monkey leg, half the normal leg. So like they look all ragtag and like, oh dude. So, so fucking dope. I've seen somebody who used sentinel legs for the arms. Like they put oh, like, fuck. they used a shoulder pad, then they used a sentinel leg, and then they had like a power fist at the end of the sentinel leg. So it looked like just like an exposed fucking arm. It looked so badass. That's rad as shit. People go to town on these Cortez, man. And I was like, you couldn't, you couldn't have done that. You could have done that had I, <laughs> had I not told Comrade Keys that this needed to happen. So rock and roll, boys. Rock and roll. Nice, powerful shout-out to Pop Goes the Monkey. Powerful shout-out to Shapeways. And, of course, powerful shout-out to Blood and Skulls Industries. So, that's what we had planned for that. Hobby progress. How about a, how about a powerful, a powerful shout-out to Derek and his hobby progress on that uh, stencil Leviathan? Oh, oh yeah. Dope, I, I, was, <clears throat> I was totally going to bring that up before you just kind of like, Sandbagged my entire hobby progress. <laughs> oh, dude, I'm sorry. I thought I was saving you. I thought I was saving hey, you. At least me. one of us is your actual friend here, Derek. So <laughs> thank you, know. you, Scott. I'm glad somebody wanted to acknowledge some great work I did with very little effort. So if you if you have an airbrush and you've been thinking about stencils, check out Fallout Hobbies. It's worth a try. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, and I managed to make it look semi good. So. Yeah, just, just give it a try. You might be surprised at the results. The stencil, I think, was only like maybe ten or twelve dollars. So, I mean, definitely worth the investment just to see, you know, what I can do with it. And uh, it came out way better than I was expecting. Uh, I posted some pics up on the uh, Facebook last week, and so uh, that kind of spurred me to get my airbrush set back up and kind of get that churning out some more progress. Uh, lately, what most of I've been doing is just throwing paint on my drop pods, trying to figure out how weathered I want them. Because uh, I've been going back in my spare time, like when I'm on break at work and things like that, reading more of the the novel series. And every time they describe drop pods, they have this like charred black hole from re-entry. So I'm not sure <clears throat> how much I want to do as far as like the color scheme. Oils. Yeah, or like like if I want to just weather, weather the like shit out of it. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> that whole... That whole Chris petting your cat thing, man, that's <laughs> that's adorable. Like, and he loves incredibly cat, he loves it. <laughs> How cats you have, you crazy cat person? I got nine. He's got nine fucking cats. Only? <laughs> not. Well, we had ten, but we had to get rid of them. <clears throat> oh, my God, I'm so sorry. We inherited my mother's, but he was always an alone cat, and it's like he never got along with the other nine, so there was constant fights, and he got hurt a couple times. <laughs> so he had to send him on. We let him loose at the Wait, zoo. I we didn't let him loose. We got him adopted. Oh. There's a program here in the city called Retails that will re rehome cats for you, basically. Well, not as bad as it could have been. Yeah. Could have gone to a farm. <laughs> anyway, 
but yeah, just been throwing paint on uh, drop pods, trying to figure out how much is enough weathering. So, so Derek, real quick, uh, so you use the Celtic knots from Fallout Hobbies on your Leviathan. You guys can go check that out on the Radio Freeze to Van uh, Facebook page. Uh, Derek did share his work up on there. I know they offer two different Celtic knots. They offer the medium and the large, right? Uh, it's the same size. It's just two different styles. One's a little more blocky, whereas the other one kind of is uh, more rounded. Uh, the rounded one, I think, is the the Celtic knot work two, I want to say. And I know as soon as I say that, I'm going to end up being wrong. I just went ahead and got both because I want to like throw that on anywhere that I've got like negative space. And yeah, they're like ten bucks. Just buy them both. Yeah, buy, them yeah. If you don't have, if you have an airbrush, you, you play Space Wolves. Twenty dollars. Yeah. <laughs> if you play Space Wolves and have an airbrush, your Alpha them. Legion they got real good scales, or if you're saying Salamanders, they got real good scale. Yeah, Rick, the guy that came down to Texas to play in that event. That's our local game club guy. Yep. Um, he uses the crap out of the Fallout Hobbies Alpha Legion one. He puts one on all his vehicles. Yeah, that's the guy that sculpted the Emperor, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Did he? I don't yeah. know. I've not seen it. He's got, I think he, because he used to work for a game club, another game company. Didn't he? No, you got the wrong guy. Oh. Different one. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Moving forward. <laughs> Sorry, Rick. So, badass hobby progress, Derek. I'm fucking proud of you. Me too. I'm so proud of you. Also, a, uh, a good friend of mine, <clears throat> I piggybacked off of his Forge World order and I got me some sick forge world space wolf legion transfer sheets so uh <laughs> did you get those did they come in the mail yeah yeah i got those okay okay Th- so thank you to who uh, you know you know who post you office are wad them up into like did the post office wad them up uh they didn't wad them up they just fold it in half did they really <laughs> no 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 it, okay. it's all good i was like gonna be pissed <laughs> okay but yeah like <clears throat> I never realized just how fucking badass those transfers looked until I'm actually holding them in my hands. And uh, kind of intimidated a little bit just because I've always been real iffy on transfers just because it's real hard for me to tell when a model's done. Like, I always want to go back and, like, touch this up, touch that up. But once I throw a transfer over it, then I really can't... I feel like I really can't do much over that transfer aside from, you know, your standard weathering. You do. You put your transfer on early and you do all your shit over your transfer. Why would scratches and dirt not be over the fucking decal? Well, I mean, if there's anything that they're touching up, it's going to be their Legion iconography and stuff like that. So while they might have, you know, scars from nah. battles, but... Bucket, throw it on there, Derek. Man up. I'll help you. We can do it. All right. Yeah, dude. Like, uh, I'm the same way, though. My uh, my Blood Angels transfers are right there on top of that. Like, I'm the same way. Like, I know, like, those, the okay, model. That, that's just... an expensive transfer sheet. <laughs> like, that's a real expensive piece of paper. <laughs> but, you know, fuck it. I'm just going to dive right in. You play Heresy, dude. Yeah. And I've got I've got a whole bottle of Vallejo Super Matte, or not Vallejo Super Matte. The uh, gloss varnish? Not. It's a, a AK Interactive Super Matte bullshit. Okay. Yeah. Because I know. Uh, Ultra Matte. Ultra I know the, the gloss varnish gives you a smooth surface for it. I just need to get some of the the other stuff to put it on, which okay. it's not expensive. I've got it sit in my Amazon cart. I was going to order it after Christmas. Yeah, if you, if you, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I didn't, I didn't take a class or anything, but you know, I mean, do we I, didn't, I got a shirt. Else? Yeah. Why don't you shout that out, Ryan? Why don't you let everybody in the podcast know about your shirt? So 
Shane Confer, the guy that uh, I always, he used to be mad that I would, or basically give me a hard time about bringing up that I took an MKA class like every 10 minutes, but I was pretty fucking excited about it. It's kind of like, for as far as my hobby life, it's changed a lot of things. And uh, so, yeah, I like saying, hey, or this MKA, that. He got sick of it, so he pointed it out, so then I just doubled down and did it more. I went the Trump route and just started fucking trolling the fuck out of him. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, you don't like this? Well, let's just fucking do it three times more. Like, we'll just see how you really don't like it. <laughs> you didn't like anyway, it before. You definitely can like it now. He thought it was funny that I kept fucking with him. So I came home one day, and there was a envelope in there from the shirt company. I'm like, what the fuck? It had my name on it, but no... Like, it didn't tell who sent it or whatever, and I opened it up, and it just on the front says, uh, I took an MKA class. <laughs> Big white letters on a black shirt. And then on the back, it says, much excite. <laughs> it's pretty fucking funny. So I posted it up on our Facebook of me. Uh, uh, wife took the picture there, so. Yeah, I just prefer to believe that, that they gave you that fun. instead of, like, a certificate. <laughs> that, that's the native I go with. We need to make sure it's to say I went to heresy camp because I feel like there's going to be a ton of like people talking about uh, it's like, yeah, dude, but at heresy camp, we did this or heresy camp. We did that. Like, I feel like we're probably going to need some shirts to say like, yeah, I went to heresy camp. What happens at heresy camp stays at heresy camp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. We go around like with a basket having everybody put their phones in it. We're going to like pass around like black tape that we got to cover their cameras with <laughs> well we need a fa- like like the the famous like at this one time at band camp i stuck a flute in my pussy we need a oh this yeah. one time at, we need this at one time at heresy camp i somebody well, josh needs to, is gonna be there so i'm sure we're gonna have yeah we, need to come up, yeah we need to come up with you know this one time at heresy camp i put ryan's beard in my mouth or something like i don't this know one time at heresy camp i went alligator hunting in the middle of the night <laughs> yeah it's, I remember when we got fucked up at Heresy Camp. We all decided to go alligator hunting in the Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> this one time at Heresy Camp, Josh Delarosa grabbed my titties when he was drunk. <laughs> that happened. That that was the thing. That was the. There was oh a, no, he he wasn't drunk yet. <laughs> there was a there was a motorboating that happened with some big dude at Adepticon. <laughs> no, no, it was the it was the pat 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 with his hands. Uh, anyway. Addy, we're going to make some memories at Heresy Camp, guys. Speaking of, if y'all haven't seen yet, we dropped an FAQ for Heresy Camp right before this episode. I would imagine if you're listening to this episode, you probably already listened and got the feed for Heresy Camp episode. We put a lot of Q&A in there, a lot of questions and answers uh, as for uh, for people that because we get questions all the time on Heresy Camp, and so that kind of just summed it all up. They Apparently, we sounded like a damn QVC order, QVC-like, Commercial was what was what we were told, but I thought it went well. I give zero fucks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all ready for voicemails, man? I'm ready to hear some of because uh, uh, we got a few voicemails, so we got some stories. I'm ready to hear Chris and Scott like together what they <laughs> like <laughs> some of their feedback <laughs> on some of the voicemails we get. I know I'm. If you're easily offended our, and don't like put our. Yeah, what put our fingers in each other's belly buttons and go to town. Yeah. <laughs> Chris calls it barracks level shit. That's barracks level shit. 
which I still get exposed to because my son just enlisted and he literally just now got to his first duty station. So I still get reviled by stories <laughs> of what's going on in the military. You should you should ask him every day how many times he shit his pants because <laughs> apparently that's a thing. Did that's you, a bigger concern than we realized. Chris, Chris, did you ever call in and tell us about the time you shit your pants? Because I'm pretty sure it happened. Apparently, it definitely had to happen at some point. I have never talked about the time I shit my pants, but it has happened. <laughs> nice. Okay, just had to make sure. All right, let's hear this. Let's bust this out. Let's bust these voicemails out. Hey, this is Lee Ross. I heard Mortarian just called. Uh, what a fucking nerd. You know, his real voice doesn't even sound like that. He has, like, this huge asthma problem. And he makes his voice sound different because he kind of sounds like a little bitch. Just throwing that out there. Oh, by the way, um, the Night Hunter don't sound like fucking Dracula. He just makes his voice sound like that because someone at the Royal Palace gave him a 1930s fucking Dracula movie. And he thought that guy was like the coolest shit ever. Nerd. Well, see you guys later. Going off to uh, beat up Magnus. <laughs> nerd. With, uh, well, he's a big red nerd. And, you know. Bye-bye. Bye, Russ. Bye, Lehman. <laughs> uh, oh, well, speaking... That guy says nerd like Trump says sad. <laughs> nerd. Speaking of Lehman, Russ, uh, kids, don't forget to leave out spiced uh, spiced mead and dried meat for uh, Santa Russ this Christmas. <laughs> for Father Russ this Christmas. <laughs> I feel like Russ would say nerd. <laughs> All right. Hey, guys. Big fan of the show. Long-time listener. First-time caller. I'm listening to uh, episode 83 right now. Just got to the end of that uh, poo flail story. <laughs> Ryan was talking about a dart coming out and hitting somebody in the head with a poo dart. He has really missed out on an opportunity <laughs> calling that a poonicorn. I've been listening to the show since uh, about a year now. First episode was that shit cooler episode in the desert. That was a good one. It's kind of nice to get back to the roots, you know? Anyway, on a hobby note, want to up my uh, basing game before uh, LVO. Hoping to do some sort of beach slash estuary type basing to go along with the display board if I can get it done in time. Wonder if you guys have any uh, tips for that. Take care, guys. Let me see. What did he say? Beat? Yeah, get a time machine and go back and take the MKA Basin course. <laughs> easy, easy. Anyway, on a hobby note, want to up my uh, basing game before uh, LVO. Hoping to do some sort of beach slash estuary type basing to go along with the dis- beach slash estuary. Is that what he said? <laughs> Sounds like. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. He's looking to get his basing game up. How deep would an Astartes footprint in the sand be? Deep as shit, man. You think about how deep a normal, you know, 180-pound man's foot goes into the sand. Now imagine a, like, one-ton superhuman. How deep would a space marine sink in the sand just standing still? I guess he wouldn't. I guess you don't really see tanks and shit sink in the sand too much, now that I think about it. Well, well the thing is, you got, you got to talk about the surface area of his foot and his Mega Man boots is pretty fucking big. So even though he weighs more, <laughs> his, Mega Man his foot covers an equivalent fucking surface area to distribute it that's good enough for me different so so i guess uh let me see here ryan does dragon forge make some pretty fucking legit desert 
Yeah, they make some cool desert bases. Take a desert. You could get some of their desert bases and then take a Dremel and like starting on one edge of it, like carve a little, you know, ditch down into it and then put some uh, water, water effect in it. Be pretty easy to do. Yeah, you could sand sand down one of the edges to kind of give it the the look of like a, a waterfront or a water edge. I, I've used uh, secret weapon miniatures. My Raven Guard actually all have sand bases. Uh, that secret weapon miniatures made some dope fucking sand bases. Uh, it's just they're all. I mean, I think they only offer like ten different bases once you get in the thirty-two millimeter range. So like after that point, the problem with Dragonforge is LV. When's LVO? It's fairly soon, right? Uh, January. January twenty-third. Right? January twenty-seventh. Yeah, you wouldn't get it. Twenty-seventh. Twenty-seventh. Yeah, ain't happening. January twenty-seventh. You have a negative ten percent chance of getting them on time. <laughs> I don't. I'm, not, not good I'm not saying that as a bad like. I have every resin base that I own is Dragonforge because he makes my favorite bases. But you have to buy them out because everybody else. It's one dude that does it out of his. Doesn't have inventory. He casts as you order. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's legit. Okay, and so he's I... always making new products, and he has a wider wider variety of bases than anybody that I'm aware of. Like. He doesn't just like make one set. Like here's my 10 25 millimeter urban rebel bases. He's got like five sets of 20. Like, so you can literally buy set one, set two, set three, set four, set five, and have 50 different resin bases and put 50 infantry on them. And everybody's on a unique base. Yeah. I guess if you really wanted to, especially if you had to have it by LVO, you could do the secret weapon miniatures, line them all up, blast them all with the base coat down and then hit them at an angle with an airbrush and it'll look like dunes. There's like a, if, if I don't know what the YouTube video is, but if you look at painting sand bases on YouTube, there's actually a guy who goes through how to paint uh, desert dune bases that have the ripples in the sand. And he shows you how to paint those bases and to catch the shadow. So it looks like a, like a, like a, a, a sun is hitting these bases and it's a really quick method. It's really fucking fast. It just, it's not so much a, a beach method is what you're kind of looking at. A month away, you're cutting it close, man. Totally possible, but. Yeah, should have started sooner, sir. Um, He's doing the, the Tim, the fucking Tim method of wait till the night before. Smash it all out. Smash it all um, out. Secret Weapon makes the beveled bases that are like recessed. Like I know they make swamp bases where they're designed to put water effect in them. Yep. Um, I'm not super familiar with their um, products. I, I mean, obviously I've been a few times look at their bases, but um, they may make something like that. That's desert or whatever that it's actually already pre-recessed, which if they did that because they actually keep inventory, you could get them in time and then just paint them up and put some water effect in it and be done with it. I guess that would be because you got, so you got desert basin. That's probably the one, right? I mean, they got desert mesa, desert basin. Yeah. They have desert sand and desert wasteland. I'm guessing. Oh, they have another one called ancient sands, but the desert basin is beveled, and I don't know. That doesn't really look like a beach at all. That looks like a fucking like. It looks like a dried up waterway, right? Yeah, I mean, you can kind of smooth like it out the mouth if you river. hit it with some, like, PVA glue and some, like, ballast. Like, that would help, but... 
You're going to have some water on the base, too, the water effect. You does secret, do some tall does secret weapon dress. make a beveled base that's just a blank beveled base but is recessed, like has a hole in the middle where you can put your own basing in it? No, nothing I'm seeing. Could you mix like water effects with basing sand to get that kind of like kind of smooth sand where the water's been running over it? That's what I was getting at. If they made like a blank beveled base that was sort of recessed, you could make your own pretty fast with just some fucking... Even with or just you like do like the PV marine PV. stand in an ankle deep water with water effects or yeah. something. You get some static grass to do like tall reeds or something on some stuff too. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be fucking legit. That yeah, I'm interested to see that, but a month away is not the time to do R and D on basing. Uh yeah, they do have resin blanks. Hollow blanks. Thirty two millimeter. That's what you get. Get Bevel. that. That'd be your starting point. Get you fucking sand and some water effects and just do some experimenting and knock them out. Damn, dude. They make exactly what you were talking about. Check that out. That Yeah. Sure enough. 32 yep. millimeters the Boom. minimum there size they have. I think these were meant to put your 25 millimeter bases into to make them 32 millimeter. But... If it works, it works. Yeah. If it works, it works. They're... Their beveled stuff's actually done for the War Machine game. All the War Machine uh, Horde stuff's on beveled bases like that. Oh. Ew. Never mind. It's the same scale. It's the same scale. It's great. And the fact that it is beveled, like you said, you have that recessed area where you could actually do the water effect. And you could actually have like ripples coming out. And do, if you wanted to get all fancy with it, you could try experimenting and getting ripples out of it like your guy's walking through the water. Yeah, but once you do that, man, there's no going back at that point. There's no, there's no swapping bases at that point. You just you, 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 your boys are in. Your boys are locked in. Once you're mixing them in some water yeah. effects. So, when before I had carpet in my basement, it was just concrete with fucking stud walls. We used to spit on the floor after anybody said war machine or hordes as, as a joke. Like so they'd set a curse. It's like war machine and then spit in the floor. <laughs> now you got all that war machine words just infecting the walls and shit. Just slowly cursing your, <laughs> cursing your your basement there. It was just a joke. I don't have a problem with war machine. No, I'm just playing. Okay. Let's go to the next voicemail. Hope that helps, man. Let us know. Dude. Shoot us a message. I'd definitely like to see what you came up with so that we could have some answers for people that call in and ask us if they need help making a, you know, 80 beach bases in a month. Yeah, try it out. Take pictures. Yeah, for sure. Put it on YouTube. Hey, guys. You're here in Salt Lake City. Just listening to your a train of stories about... Um, Limbs and fingers and things being cut off reminded me of something. Nice. I uh, recently just got my uh, first aid recertification, and uh, the trainer told a story about a guy who got his fingers cut off, and, you know, he's like, okay, fine, you know, went to the hospital, got that sorted out, and then he's like, man, this phantom pain's getting really tough, so he puts a tourniquet on, on his uh, lower arm there, hey, sure enough, that makes the phantom pain go away, so he just leaves it on for about, you know, a day and a half. And then he goes to the hospital oh, and he realizes that his entire lower arm is down. Well, he killed his entire lower arm by doing that. So they cut that limb off. And then they're like, all right, patch it back up, send him home. Don't do that with tourniquets, that's stupid. So he goes home. He's like, man, this phantom pain, this really sucks. So he puts one on his upper arm. Leaves it on, day or two. Sure enough, hey, look, his limb went dead. So uh, what does he do? He's like, eh, go into the hospital, stupid. So he undoes a tourniquet. 
For those of you who don't know, when you undo a tourniquet after like a bunch of dead blood is in there, a bunch of dead stuff, that, that washed straight into his art and killed him dead. So yeah, eh, fun times. So yeah, have a good one. Yeah, don't fuck around with tourniquets unless you know what you're doing. <laughs> Dude, for fucking real. What the shit? Yeah, Our first osmosis or something, I think <laughs> what they call that. I don't know. Yeah, that's it. I thought hey, that man. Got ask, from, like, ask David Carradine, all right? He tied one around his neck while a couple of Thai girls were going to town <laughs> on him. Fucking killed him, bro. So, <laughs> I hope it was worth it. Shit. Yeah. There's one place to go. Yeah. That was autoerotic fixation. That's a little bit different than trying to save, save your thing. fucking limb. Doctor, okay. But I mean, depends on how you look at it. <laughs> so what you're saying is kung fu doesn't help you with auto asphyxiation. Certainly not. <laughs> Fake martial art. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't have anything to say about that. I mean, I know a guy that died from gangrene from getting gangrene in his nutsack. Oh, please share. That story. That's Let's it. hear that. Yeah, good. Oh, and it sounds like Chris so also has a story. This guy. I'm just like, how do you get gangrene in your nutsack? This is it. So. <laughs> You, you've been to my tale, house, boys. Michael, right? Cautionary tale, boys. Yeah, I've been to your house. You... Okay, you've just... been upstairs. You've seen like my fireplace surround, and like the they call it the judges panel, like in my dining room, the panel that goes halfway up the wall, and all the woodwork and shit upstairs. Beautiful. Yes, absolutely. Did that? We used to call him the Wood Wizard. He had a beard and total fucking hillbilly. He had a Dodge truck that was built from like three other Dodge trucks. Always had this old dirty dog that rode around with him, and he just threw all his tools in the back of his truck. His name was Dan. He was a fucking awesome little dude. Didn't give a fuck about nothing. Just a total hillbilly. And he just loved work, you know, doing woodwork shit. And he did all the woodworking in my house. Well, he was on a job site one day and his fucking nuts were itching and he reached down and dug at his nuts and he fucking scraped his nuts with like a hangnail. Fucking cut his nutsack or whatever. Ow. And didn't think anything of it. Just had a little cut on it whatever anyway this shit gets infected and of course he's like one of those like hillbilly and never going to go to a doctor or whatever just didn't really think about it you know it's just a little scratch it fucking got gangrene and killed him oh my god that's a 100% true story that happened a year and a half ago how how did that story get out though like who 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 was he, he had cuz we know like him. the guy that the guy that built my Steve, I work with him at IPL, and he was one of his main subcontractors that he worked with all the time. So when he doesn't show up to work, oh, I got to go to the hospital. I, you know, I, this fucking cut got infected, and they were laughing about it like it wasn't a big deal. And he goes in the hospital, and they're like, "This is fucking serious." They started putting him on, you know, antibiotics, fucking and uh, antibiotics and shit, and he, he didn't. He died. <laughs> That's so real. I like they get take your ball sack. He let it go too long. It was already spread through his body. Yeah, just take it. Just, just take it. Jesus. More <laughs> importantly, dude, what happened to the dog? I don't know. No, just I funny. mean, he had a wife and kids. <laughs> that fucking sucks, dude. What? Yeah. So note to self: if you dig at your nutsack hard enough, or you got a fucking funky hangnail and you cut your nuts, like put some fucking peroxide on that shit. Like Neosporin. keep an eye on it. If it gets fucking bad, go to the doctor. <laughs> Ryan's Ryan's advice, man. Hey, keep an eye on that shit, all right? <laughs> just keep an eye on it, all right? <laughs> it starts to smell a little funny. Fucking yeah, it smells dark. funny, and it's fucking like purple with goddamn polka dots, and there's fucking pus weeping out of it. Go see somebody. Fucked. Go see somebody. Yeah. Swallow your pride, man.
Swallow your pride. Okay. You thought blue balls were bad. Let's see what else we got. Uh, Chris, do you have any stories of missing limbs or anything like that? Or Missing limbs? No. <laughs> okay. He can tell you about uh, the, how he got the scars on his face. That's how I, I like that one a lot. Oh, the dog? Yeah, that one's a good one. Um, what We were just talking about something before the show. Yeah, the donkey's good. The The story I want him to tell is when he took his friend skydiving. This is the fucking craziest story. One of the craziest stories that'll probably ever be told. The odds of this fucking happening. Took a friend of mine skydiving. Back the story up. Uh, I used to do a lot of civilian skydiving. I've got probably about 400 and something jumps civilian in. Used to do a lot of free fall and stuff. Uh, took a bunch of my friends a couple times. So this friend wanted to go, and he wanted to learn how to do it on his own, like doing the um, the full except like the different ways to do it. You can do an accelerated free fall course. You can do like the full term class where you start off on static line, and they gently progress you up. So that's where he started. His first jump was going to be a static line. So he goes and takes this eight hour course. They go through all the safety stuff. Uh, we get ready to go to our first static line jump. Now we're in Vandalia, Illinois, which is roughly about forty five minutes to an hour. Uh, east of St. Louis in the middle of Illinois, cornfields everywhere. And it's a small little airport, uh, but the weather was getting kind of bad that day. It had been kind of stormy in the early part of the day, and there was another big storm coming. Finished the class. We were sitting around for like an hour and a half waiting to go, waiting for a clear spot in the weather because it gets too windy. And if it gets too windy, you can't go, obviously. And even if it's calm on the ground, it can be very windy up high. So... As we're getting ready, they almost call it a day. They're like, hey, there's a break in the storm. That's the good side. The bad side is there's another storm coming in. Get you guys up. But when we get up there, depends on how fast we get up there, we might have to just go ahead and come back down. It's up to you guys if you guys want to risk it and try it. Because, I mean, basically, once you're in the plane, you're paying for the plane ride, whether you jump or not. So we're like, you know, he's like, I did this eight-hour class. Fuck it. Let's do it. So we load up. We get ready to go. This entire jump was like cursed from the minute we took off. So we take off. We're in this little small Cessna, the two of us, me, my friend, uh, the pilot. And if you've ever been in a skydiving Cessna, it's literally basically a Cessna that's completely stripped out with nothing but one seat for the pilot. And you crank open the uh, right side door and you're hanging out under the wing. And that's where the experienced jumpers get out. Then the instructor gets out with, uh, Stuff and they let him go in there on a static line. So obviously when he falls free, he's going to instantly open his parachute. I think we were at about 4,500 feet. And as I'm crawling around, I don't normally jump in a Cessna. I normally jump out of like all these other bigger planes. So it's very cramped. As I'm trying to crawl around and get to the door, uh, I feel something catch. Tried to move a little bit. I felt something give pop and give way. And I turned around to look to see what it was. And as I turn around, as close as I'm sitting to Ryan, the instructor's right there, and his eyes are huge. And all he screams is, you got to go, and pushes me out the door. Oh, and I fuck. knew what happened at that point. What had happened was uh, my parachute had caught on the door, and it had started to deploy and open inside the plane, which is very bad. If it comes out all the way inside the plane, you can actually tangle up and crash the plane. <laughs> so it was like, I jumped. I got clear. No big problem friend who's all looking out the window in awe, like, oh my god, we're way up here. All he hears is, you gotta go, turns around and sees the instructor, shove me out the door, and he's like, why'd you push my friend out of the plane? 
<laughs> and he's like, the instructor looks out. Oh no, he's good. He's good. You're up. You're up. He's good. No, no, don't worry about him. You're you're okay. <laughs> yep. So I get out. I'm under parachute. Canopy's open. Everything's good. I'm setting up and I'm looking and I'm like, at 4,500 feet, you're right at the same level as all the clouds. And I'm like, man, that's a wall of clouds coming. That looks nasty. And we're barely beating the storm. So I set up, start coming down. Uh, normally, you try to land that right is a in front long of the hangar. Fucking well, descent. Turn- for like, like immediately launching your parachute at 4,500 feet, and you just gotta like <laughs> the whole way. But yeah, so I set up and I'm heading into the wind, and it's supposed to be moving forward. Well, all of a sudden, I realize I'm kind of going backwards, and I'm coasting down the runway. I'm like, oh, hell, the storm here is here. Like the storm front with the winds picking up. So it blows me all the way down to the far end of the runway. I'm like a quarter mile down the runway when I land. No big deal. Land there. I'm on. But the thing is, as I land, I stand up and I'm looking. I'm like, man, the cornfield's like literally 50 meters there. My buddy's going to land way out in the cornfield. This is going to be funny. So I pick up my parachute and this truck comes flying down the runway. And as I start to walk toward it, they come flying up, stop real quick. And, you know, come on, get in, get in, get in. I'm like, what's wrong? And the guy points up in the sky and says, look. And as I look up, all I see is my friend's feet dangling out of the clouds, barely. And then he goes right back up into the clouds. Uh-oh. If you know anything about weather, when there's a, a storm front like that, you get what's called a thermal of hot air coming up at the front oh, yeah. of the storm. And it's catching his parachute, and it's just carrying him. And because he's, it's his first time, he has no idea how to steer his parachute like a wing, where you would basically have to go into a spiral to get below that. So they're screaming at him on the radio, and the problem is the storm's already got him, and it's moving him at like 30 miles an hour away from the airfield. He's out of range <laughs> of the radio. Even. So he can't hear. So he's just carrying off with the storm thinking. Now, when you listen to him tell the story, he's up there thinking, oh, God, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Nobody's talking to me. What the hell's going on? So we jump just, in the truck, and we're hauling us down this country road, him. chasing after Into our, a point where we're in range, and he can hear us on the radio. So he can hear us, and you can see he starts to spiral. He starts to come down. Now, the problem is, as you spin on a parachute on a spiral like that, more and more centrifugal force and more Gs. You can actually pull like three, four, sometimes five Gs in the harness. All the blood go into your feet and it can cause you to pass out if you're not careful. So he's getting to a point where he's getting dizzy, and he lets go. But as soon as he lets go, he starts going right back up into the cloud. We're like, dude, I know you're getting dizzy, but you got to keep spinning until you get below that thermal. Keep going. Keep going. So he's going and going, and we're still driving down the road chasing him. And finally, you see he's spiraling down and coming down. He's out in front of us, way out, I don't know, probably a good mile or two out in front of us, starting to come down over the hill as we're coming up on this hill. And we're like, we can't see you. You're coming towards the ground. Look for an open spot. We're on the road. We'll be right there. So he's up in the parachute, and he's hanging around looking. He's like, okay, I see interstate. Not a good place to land. He sees a bunch of large bodies of water. Well, I don't know. Better not land in the water, which was a good thing because that was the sewer treatment plant for Vandalia, Illinois. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> and he sees a bunch of buildings with this big, massive courtyard. So he's like, I'm going to go for this big, like, double football field-sized courtyard. So I'll be damned if he doesn't come down and land right in the middle of Vandalia, minimum security prison, <laughs> on a parachute. <laughs> and off. Guard what? Out with guns. <laughs> what? <laughs> Parachutes into a prison. What? Now, as we're all drinking and telling this story after the fact, we're all making jokes about the fact that all the prisoners are going, oh, look, it's raining men. <laughs> he lands in the prison. 
he's thinking, I don't know where I am. I land and hit the ground. All these like cop cars come out with lights and stuff. And I'm like, oh, they sent the police after me. That's nice. They all run up and point guns at me and yell and freeze. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> so they detain me and he's like, I just jumped out of a plane. I don't have my goddamn wallet. <laughs> oh my gosh, so dude. We got what? We got to the How? Prison. Yeah, he landed right in the middle of a minimum security state prison. So we get to the door and it's like, so we had to turn around and go all the way back to the airfield, get his wallet, his identifications and all this stuff, come back to the prison, turn all this over. After a big, long rigmarole of about 45 minutes to an hour, they finally release him. They have to write up all these reports. And I'm like, dude, if you didn't have bad luck, you wouldn't have any luck at all. Of all the places you find the land, you land in a prison. <laughs> dude, like, that, was going over again. that was like the ultimate, like, that's wild. <laughs> If there was ever doubt in your mind, Funny. like whether there's yeah. like a is, like three and a half to four miles away from the airfield, that's how far this storm carried him. Jeez. And he had no idea what he was doing. He's like, I think he said the whole time I'm up there hanging for like 10 minutes, they go, I'm going to die. And everybody's like, man, you got the right of a lifetime. I'd kill to be under like panopy that long and just cool along and see and everything. I'm like, <laughs> for real, that's what I'm thinking. Like, yeah, that's you get your money's worth that way. <laughs> Dude, that's some fucking roller coaster shit right there. And then you fucking landed a <laughs> yeah, prison. Like he never went. He never went skydiving again. <laughs> God bless you for that story. What was the other one? What was the other story you had? Which other one? The what was the one we were talking about before the show? The donkey. Oh, do you want to hear the donkey story or about the the him raiding the compound with the rangers? Uh, dog. The, the compound and the donkey. Hey, kitty. Okay. <laughs> Get us in. You know, a lot of the walled compounds. I breached the gate. I came through, and literally they had dogs in the yard. As I come through the gate, being the first man, all I catch is a dog to the face, and it bit me on my face right next to my right eye. You can see. <laughs> yeah, it got me here, and it got me down here on my lower jaw. Now, what happened is the dog knocked me over, of course, instinct kicks in. I throw the dog off me, and as I throw the dog off me, unfortunately, the tooth was still hooked in my face, so it ripped out. So I got blood, you know, facial wounds bleed like crazy. I had blood in my eye. I thought I'd lost my eye because the blood in my eye, I couldn't see out of my eye. I just kind of threw it off me and rolled down into a fetal position to curl up because I knew the guys behind me would take care of it. And sure enough, on top of all this, now my ears are ringing because the guy right behind me shot the dog twice right afterwards. <laughs> so, so anyway... I got blood. I thought I had blood. I had the blood in my eye. I thought I'd lost my eye. Then the medic comes along and he's like, no, no, you're good. You just got blood in your eye. We're going to evac you out of here. So on and so forth. So all this rigmarole, I get evac'd out, uh, ended up with a bunch of stitches by the side of my eye. But the funny part about it was, as I get on the aircraft, they come and throw the dog's carcass on the aircraft with me. I'm like, why is the dog on here? <laughs> and the guy looks at me and goes, well, they're going to have to test the dog to see if it has rabies. I'm like, oh, you gotta be shit. <laughs> Because if he didn't have the dog, they have to assume that it had rabies and you would have had to have gotten all the shots, which is a whole bunch of shots given to you in your stomach. So oh. I'm like, yeah, uh, thank God it didn't. But I'll ride with this fucking dead ass dog <laughs> all the way back. But being the first man through the door, did you expect the dog to be the The dog was the last thing I expected <laughs> to see. I, guys with guns, anything, not a dog's teeth flying into my face. That was the last thing I expected to catch. Jesus. That's fucking wild, man. All right, tell us a donkey story. Tell a story about this donkey. Okay. <laughs> this was 2005, I want to say late summer going in the fall, uh, in Iraq. 
just north of Baghdad International Airport along Main Route Tampa, heading up towards Abu Ghraib Prison. Uh, we used to run that route a lot, taking the U.S. Marshals. This was shortly after the whole scandal that took place at Abu Ghraib. So after that, the soldiers no longer ran it, and U.S. Marshals were running the prison, and they were teaching the Iraqis how to run the prison for themselves. Right. So we used to escort them up there. Well, we were having a lot of prop IEDs being placed along that road. Setting up like observation points out there at night, along with 37 Infantry, where we were basically observing the road uh, with the Bradley and stuff, because they had a lot of thermal optics and night vision optics. So we're watching the highway and looking for anybody doing suspicious activity over the course of the night. Well, as we're out there, it's literally probably about midnight, one in the morning, somewhere in that time frame, local time. Up on the local radio on the net says, hey, Sergeant, we need you to come up to the, uh, the vehicle. So I, I go over to the vehicle. I'm like, what's up? They're like, we got activity out here in the field. You need to take a look. I'm thinking we got somebody doing something suspicious or something funny out here. I'll be damned. I, I look up into the scope. And as I'm looking out into the field on a thermal image, all I get is this image of a donkey. One guy's holding the front of it and the other guy's behind it going to town. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> and you're like, nope, we're not kidding you. We're recording this. And I'll be damned to them. I'm like, of course you're recording it. Why wouldn't you be recording it? I'm like, Oh my god! I'm like whatever, keep an eye on him. I don't want to know anything that goes on. But of course, soldiers being soldiers, over the next half hour, I hear about oh his partner's getting the turn. I'm like, man, I really don't need to know. <laughs> They're bringing kids in. They brought <laughs> they brought a truck in. Man. Soldiers being soldiers, they got to tell you all the details. <laughs> You're gonna want to see this. They got another donkey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it's, it's the things you hear about and you think about as jokes and it's, uh, then you actually see it and you're like, oh my God, I don't believe this. <laughs> Fuck yes. Awesome. It's like live, live voicemail stories. So we do have a hockey How was story. the donkey, Scott? <laughs> <laughs> Scott's giving the thumbs up. <laughs> so we have a... A email that got sent in from Lawrence. Lawrence calls it hockey story. Uh, he says, "Afternoon, chaps. Following on from your recent horror stories involving ice hockey injuries, thought I would share one of my own. It's nowhere near as bad as the Clint Muller Muller truck Muller Bundis, but it involves a considerable <laughs> amount of pain. Muller chuck. <laughs> chuck, but it involves a considerable amount of pain." And a few nights in the hospital. So without further ado, I give you the story of a hairy sea mine. Ooh. Harry of the hairy sea mine. Nice. In a past life, when I was young and carefree, I played college hockey in the UK. Now, before we get started, the standard of ice hockey in the UK is pretty low compared to the rest of the hockey playing world. Theron Flory, the, the former NHL player, came over and played a season in the top division and the end of his career, and notched up 74, 74 points in 34 games. Anyway, I digress from the story. He used to play for the Calgary uh, Flames. Oh, okay. Is that a good thing, 74 points in 34 games? Is that pretty, like... Yes, that's a lot. That You get a point for an assist or a goal. He had, Most hockey games are scores 3 and 4 total for the whole yeah, game. Yeah, so that means he, in, in 74 games, he had... No, 30, 34. Two points. Yeah, 34. Yeah. yeah. So he basically shit yeah, all he, over. He averaged a little over two points a game. Yeah. Okay. Was he a good hockey player? Or was he an okay <laughs> hockey player? He was 
above average in the NHL, but at the end of his career, obviously, it wasn't, you know, when you play. Canadians live that shit. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. Anyway, he says, we're playing our divisional rivals in a must-win game to take our team to clear at the top of the league. We traveled three hours up the motorway and into the northern waste of England. Due to there being little to no funding for university sports away games, we're normally a pain in getting a decent number of players together because of transport costs and the room taken up by massive kit bags. If we were lucky, we'd take two lines and a goalie and pray that no one got hurt or thrown out of the game. The funding problem also meant the corners were cut when it came to equipment, especially the nevermind with netminders as their kit costs an absolute fortune. I don't know what a netminder is. Can y'all help me out on that one? A goalie. That's a goalie. It's a, oh. it's a hockey term for a goalie. Oh, okay. So they have a lot more pads than your average player. Yes, I got that. I, I I've seen that before. I've seen Mighty Ducks. We arrived at the rink in good time, suited up, <laughs> and jumped onto ice in order to warm. Jumped onto the ice in order to warm up. Playing as the goalie, I started with some stretches and put myself between the pipes to start facing shots for my teammates to get ready for the game. As previously mentioned, the standard of college hockey in the UK is pretty low, but some players do have a knack of hitting pucks pretty very hard and very fast. One of those players, a chap we shall now refer to as that cunt Dunners is standing in the face-off circle to my right and decides to fire in a slapper at about knee height. I play in a butterfly style, so I drop onto my knees and take away the bottom of the net with my legs with the intention of stopping the shot on my chest and controlling the rebound down to the ice in front of me so I can cover the puck with my gloves. Theoretical, textbook save. Practical, you're shit at hockey and you're going to make a mess of it. (laughs) I go to make the save and drop into a butterfly position. Unfortunately, my timing's slightly off, and I drop bollocks first onto a speeding puck. Normally, this would not have been a problem, but remember the lack of funding in the UK university sport? Well, a player jogging cup cost about 10 pounds. A decent reinforced goalie one cost about 70 pounds. When you're a poor college student, you make do with what you can get. In hindsight, protecting my family no, with jewels. No, you don't. <laughs> in hindsight. No. That's the starters. That's the starters. In hindsight, protecting the family jewels should probably come above most other priorities. Being young and stupid, you have a wonderful sense of invulnerability. I may have gone to university, but I never said I was clever. Anyway, puck meat testicles. <laughs> I collapse on the Wrong. ice. At this point, I feel that old lefty has just exploded. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> Old lefty, <laughs> right, in, right in the left roo. Old lefty just blew up. The pain, oh, right, right, <laughs> righty so. hanging there. The pain is unimaginable. I can't move or breathe. After a few minutes, I managed to get off the up off the ice and skate off to the bench. Now you would think that the sensible thing to do here would be to get myself to the nearest hospital. Sensible, but no. In some sense of bloody-minded idiocracy. I play the full game before going to the hospital. As you we want gangrene, son? <laughs> Dude, for real. <laughs> full fucking circle, man. I play the full game before going to the hospital as we had no other eligible goalie within 200 miles of the rink. Throughout the game, all I can feel is excruciating pain thopping through my left nut. Somehow, I only let in three goals and we won. 
Getting into the locker room, I examine my mangled man parts and find out that the left one is now the size of a lemon. Out of my mind with pain, a friend drives me to the local hospital, pretty much going over every single speed bump she could find. I stumble into the accident and emergency department and collapse on the reception desk and explain my predicament with the female receptionist, which the female receptionist found hilarious. Having said that, within two minutes, I'm in a hospital bed with a male nurse looking at my junk. Seeing the horrified look on his face and then seeing him run out of the room really does not does nothing to ease my fears that my ball is either about to explode or be amputated. A few minutes later, he then reappears and fires me full of morphine. After a while, I'm transferred between hospitals in an ambulance to one of the specialist departments for a testicular trauma. Who knew that was a thing? Over what seemed to be a disproportionately large amount of speed bumps <laughs> or arrival at that hospital, I'm introduced to one of the doctors as Mr. So-and-so, who is one of the surgeons. In my morphine-addled state, I take this to meaning one thing. They're going to cut my balls off. Fortunately, this is not the case. After a 20-minute standoff, I'm given some more pain relief and taken to a ward. After a few days later, I'm discharged from the hospital, diagnosed with a testicular hematoma, which to English means a ball the size of a lemon. <laughs> to, to add insult to injury, one of the medical students who was attached to the ward I was on in the hospital was one of the players for the rival team and appeared to take great pleasure in hearing how I'd been hurt. I returned home and decided to have a warm bath to try and soothe the throbbing in my nether regions. I got in, lay down, and looked at my battered gonad, which had now turned to a variety of interesting shades of black, blue, and purple. No word of a lie, it was floating. <laughs> Bobbing around, just breaking the surface like a hairy sea mine. <laughs> <laughs> the story ends fortunately with me keeping both my balls, and it is now returned to the normal shape and size of its twin. The moral of the story is never skipped on safety equipment, especially when it's protecting your wedding tackle. Loving the podcast and hope to hope you deem this story wealthy of inclusion. Keep up the good work and Merry Christmas, Lawrence. <laughs> oh my God! There's. I feel, like, I feel like I need an ice pack. Just listen, <laughs> for real. Bro, I got my legs all spread open right now, just like letting the mare out. <laughs> Jesus, what'd you say, Scott? Some things you just got to spring for. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, pro tip out there: anyone who needs a little testicular protection. There's this company called Loblo, and it's spelled L-O hyphen B-L-O-O, and their cups are about 45 bucks, but they're fucking gold. Trust me. If you've had a professional Muay Thai fighter knee you in the sack and you didn't feel anything at all because that <laughs> thing was saving your balls, literally, then, then you know it's a good product. So we're not affiliated with Loblo anyway, but <laughs> I just don't need necessary to throw that out there. <laughs> Those things look extremely comfortable. Low blow tie cup 2.0 professional. Athletic cup groin guard for close contact sports like MMA, grappling, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Patent pending system for 100% protection and mobility. Soft line. There you have it. <laughs> That's right, man. Rave reviews. Rave reviews. Very light. It's like it's not even there. They've got all sorts of different colors and everything. Looks pretty dope. <laughs> I'm gonna mail I'm gonna mail Michael a hockey puck since he doesn't know what one is like, what it weighs, and how fucking hard it was. Dude, I'm from Texas. Yeah. How hard it is. Do you know how how hard a hockey puck is? I can only assume. Yeah, exactly. I've <laughs> actually never like been in the same room as a hockey puck in my life. Yeah, dude. We don't we don't the sports stores down here don't carry that. 
I couldn't. I couldn't even uh, go to Walmart. And get I got a hit. Truck. I got hit in the elbow pit with one, like a slap shot at full speed. I <sighs> I played goalie for a game and I put the equipment on wrong. The goalie pads they have a pad here and a pad here, and they can't extend the pad over here because you couldn't. You wouldn't have any flexibility. So what they have is a guard that only attaches at the top, and then it free floats over it. So when you move your arm, it slides. But they have a little snap thing that goes around your arm like an elastic thing so that it holds it down. Well, the problem was I didn't get that elastic thing on there because I hadn't played goalie before. So when I put the jersey on, when you put put it down the sleeve, it peeled it up. So it left that exposed. And I didn't know. And somebody shot a slap shot and I got in the way of it, go, like sliding over like this and it hit me right to fucking padding. Of course it did. Basically just a... Yeah, I, I hear they find Fuck, those little spots. so bad. Yeah, I can't imagine being hit in the unprotected nuts like that. I mean, the fuck, my arm hurt for like a week. <laughs> What's so weird is like, like if you are unprotected in any way, the puck will find it. Like it, it's almost like it, 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 it has found like weak as fucking uh, like face meshes thing. Apparently, it found Ryan's arm. It found Lawrence's nutsack. Like, dude, that puck has a mind of its own, man. It knows what it's looking for. It knows it's a it's a fucking homing missile for weakness, and it's gonna if find you've it. You got a soft spot. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Something's gonna find it. <laughs> Hockey pucks and paintballs, man. Hockey pucks and paintballs. Oh, dude. <laughs> have you ever had a sim round? <laughs> no. No. Scott, have you ever been shot with a sim round? Yeah, little paintball things. Yeah. Yeah, I took a sim round right to the inside soft part of my thigh once. It <laughs> folded me over on a bridge. Ooh. Oh my god. My buddy Kyle took a hand when he was holding a clipboard just to be a dick. <laughs> my buddy Kyle <laughs> took a double pump shot paintball to the uh to the old what's it called? The Adam's apple. Adam's apple. <laughs> like <Ugh. laughs> the worst. Well, like he was concerned about getting shot in the neck, so he wrapped like wrapped a towel around his neck before, but there was just enough room to get a paintball right up in there. Well, no, what happened was so so we were going paintballing and my buddy Kyle his neck is probably the size of like Derek's cup right here, like a thirty ounce Yeti. Like it, it's very weird. Like he's got like an unusually <laughs> long neck. It's like, a powerful neck. It's a powerful neck, man. He taught me how to headbang. Yeah, man. This dude, like, he's <clears throat> almost got like a powerful. Know, <laughs> it's the guy that me and Scott always joke about. You see people like that, and you're like, ah, uh, that you, that guy walks into a jujitsu class, and all the fucking <laughs> guillotine chokers start licking their lips. <laughs> yeah, no, that that is Kyle, man. Like Kyle, my buddy Kyle. He like. Dude, let me find a picture just so just so you get an idea of how long this dude's neck is. <laughs> just there, there we go. That's perfect. Look at that neck. Look at that bad boy. Yeah, he looks like fucking ET when he's excited. Got a Freddie Mercury mustache too. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, he's got this super yeah. long neck, right? And so we're trying to convince him to come paintballing with us, and he's like, "No, I don't want to go. I'm gonna get shot in the neck." And <laughs> we're like, "Nah, dude, you'll be fine." Don't like, don't don't worry. He's like, look, my mask only covers this much of my face. Look how much neck I have. I'm gonna get shot in the neck. And so we tell him, we're like, dude, don't worry about it. Just come with us. He's like, well, shoot me with a paintball so I know how how bad it feels. And we're like, okay, well, let's go to the front yard. We're at my parents' house. I was like, we'll go to the front yard. We're picking up all the paintball shit. I was like, we'll go ahead and shoot you one time with a paintball just so you know how it how it feels. So at the time we had these like bullshit like Titman pump paintball guns, 
like Walmart brand, like pump paintballs. And like Kyle puts his mask on and he doesn't want to get shot in the neck. So he goes inside and gets a beach towel and wraps around his neck. And so my buddy Sam goes, pumps the thing, tries to shoot him and it just goes click and he doesn't go. And he's like, what the fuck is going on? And my buddy Kyle goes, that's a sign. I'm taking it off. Takes off the towel, and Sam goes to pump it again. And as he pumps it, it fucking fires. It just goes, poof, and just <laughs> nails Kyle directly in the fucking Adam's apple. I mean, his voice immediately, he was, like, talking, and he just goes, hey, guys, got to <laughs> like, classic, like, classic throat punch. <laughs> like, it was so bad. Like, he's, dude. He still went to go play paintball with us, but the entire time he had this 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 fucking towel wrapped around his neck. The whole time we're playing, he's got this towel, and everybody's like, "Dude, what the fuck are you wearing a towel for?" And he takes his towel off, and everybody sees his long out of neck. They're like, "Oh, we get it. All right, cool." Like, and then he goes, you know puts it back on. Dude, later that week, he just had this like massive fucking bruise, like where his Adam apple was. And like, I swear, we lowered his voice octave by like two octaves, man. We've killed dirt. They look like big. They look like big hickeys after they hit you. <laughs> yeah, dude, he was so bad, dude. He got fucking throat whopped. It was my mom was like the one thing that Kyle was afraid of, <laughs> and it just happens. Like it's like homing missile, man. If you're afraid I of, I think it, the most I've had is eighty-two paint. I've had about eighty-two paintball welts at one time. Jesus. We used to have a guy. We used to have a guy that would run around here. Uh, we called him Clown, and he'd run with two pistols. He was a real fat dude, and he'd wear, run around with his shirt off, and he'd have, like, two little paintball pistols. And psh, 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 psh. They'd fuck him. He'd always wear, like, a clown paintball mask. Scenario side. I used to be real big in the scenario side, and I used to go up to Oklahoma to participate in D-Day every year, and I used to be the sergeant major for one of the German units. The Germans are always outnumbered, like, two to one, but we're on the defense. And literally all I remember is looking down – Utah Beach, and there were so many shots being fired, it looked like a swarm of angry bees from all the paintballs <laughs> in the air. And then somebody yelled, charge, and we literally went running down through this. Why? I got Because we were counter-assaulting their push coming up the hill, so we counter-assaulted well, right why? down into You know it. better than this. Well, that's what, that was what our unit's job was, was the counter-assault. We were like the quick reaction force. <laughs> so I got hit so many times. So like I, By the time we were done that day, I had 82 welts on me over the course from that day. So, like, when you're hit in, like, scenario ball, are you out? Or, like, what happens? Like You're out. You have to go to, you have to, go to a dead area and wait for a respawn. But I, I got hit. By the time people realize you're hit, you probably already taken 20. Just for the sheer amount of shots being fired and everybody running, I probably took another 10, 15 <laughs> hits just trying to get the hell out of the way off the field at that point. Oh, my God. You're like, you're fucking like some of the worst terrain ever. If you've ever been to Oklahoma, Oklahoma is like Afghanistan with trees. It's, like, hot rocky uneven terrain you're either going up a hill down a damn hill and they're all steep it sucks <laughs> fuck <laughs> that's fucking wild paintball's wild people call us in with some paintball stories guys if you have a voicemail you want to leave us 209 rfi 30k0 uh if you're an international listener and you don't want to pay the tolls to get a hold of us uh americans then you can Email us, Michael at Warmer30k.com, Ryan at Warmer30k.com. You can record your uh, record your voicemail you want to leave us or your story and uh, send it to us that way. Or you can just write it in like Lawrence did, did and we'll read it out. So, anyway, guess we'll go ahead and move on to... Come to Adepticon. Hit us up for a pickup game. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
Say that again. Come to Adepticon. Hit us up for a pickup game in the evenings. Absolutely. Fucking lootly, man. Okay. So you guys missed it, but in the interim, between that little break that you didn't even know happened, uh, we lost powerful Scott and powerful Chris. Man, Chris, I know you're not here right now. You can't hear this, but hopefully you listen to the episodes, which I think you do. Definitely appreciate all your insights in the 8th edition. And uh, definitely appreciate your insight in the game itself, man, and your stories, man. I cannot wait to go tell people about that uh, <laughs> about that hang gliding, or the not the hang gliding story, the the parachuting story, this the skydiving story, man. I cannot wait to start scaring the shit out of people. Dude, that was a wild one. Who say they want to do it? Cannot wait. So very cool, very cool. But definitely appreciate you being on, man. Uh, it was a pleasure. You're welcome back anytime. So on to lists now. Uh, we've got two lists that we got. We got a White Scars Recon Company list, and we also have a Militia list. So let's go ahead and start out with this White Scars list. This actually comes from Chris. Uh, Chris says, hey, dude, uh, in your White Scars episode, you made sense of a recon army. Uh, now I'm still working toward building the list you already sent us. What I'm asking is if you think it makes sense to take the infantry from that list and add the cataphracty from the calc box to the list I'm making, a small white scars recon army I can teach my buddy with. And then after a bunch of games, I can gradually add the rest of the awesome list you wrote up. I do have a few rhinos he could use. What would you recommend here as a way to gradually introduce him into the army concept as a beginner? I really appreciate everything you do, man. Chris. So he's looking for a white scar like recon company that we had mentioned in the white scars episode so what did you do ryan right so he said something about adding terminators one of the restrictions on recon company is no terminators so and then he also asked about getting his buddy in and all that so i answered those questions and then wrote him a recon list so here's the recon list that i wrote for him tour with bolt pistol paragon blade digital lasers iron halo cyberhawk on a space marine bike I went with the bike because it's White Scar, and then I also took some uh, Outriders in the list so he can join that, and it makes sense because like Outrider bikes are like a scout. They have the scout rule and all that. It's supposed to be like a recon-type unit, so I figured recon company, Outriders especially, a White Scar's one. Um, so then the second HQ is a Vigilator, which you have to take, but even if you didn't have to take it, I'd take it anyway because Vigilators are cool. They're not the most powerful choice game-wise, but they're super fucking cool fluff-wise, and you can build a really cool converted model for it and have a really cool backstory. I'm actually going to build one for my Black Shields. I got a cool... How I want to do that. Anyway, it, seemed, it seems pretty mandatory to take a Vigilator and Recon Company as well. <laughs> like, Well, you have to. It's yeah. one of the restrictions. Yeah. You have to take oh, one okay. anyway. But yeah. So I got a Vigilator with Artificer Armor, Bolt Pistol... Power weapon. He can make it whatever power weapon he wants, whatever he feels is fluffy. Refractor field. So, being a white scar, this guy has access to the power spear thing, which is way better than a power weapon. But I didn't go with the power spear on a fucking vigilator because he's supposed to be sneaking around, and I figured a giant fucking two-handed halberd doesn't stealth. <laughs> so I no. figured you could give him like a, like a almost like a ranger army ranger hatchet or like a fucking you know kukri or something cool and make it like a power sword or a cool like power fucking machete or a power um you know tomahawk 
or something like that and use it as a traditional power weapon, it would be fluffier and look better on the model than a giant fucking spear. Absolutely. That's just me. The spear is the more competitive choice, but I wouldn't. It's fine. Just give me a power weapon. So for troops, I have a 10-man tactical squad um, with the additional chain swords. Uh, then the sergeant has artificer armor and power glaive, and they're in a rhino with dozer blade and pinnel mount and multimelta. So the reason I'm using these guys, we wrote him a list a while back where he had or two and then like 13 jet bikes and like 14 outriders or whatever. I don't know if you guys remember that infantry in there from the Kalth. So I'm basically reusing that infantry in this list so he doesn't have to have a, a whole bunch of other models. So a lot of the choices I made is purely based on that, just so you guys know. Okay. So the second troop's choice is another squad that's identical to that. So it's another 10-man tactical unit. Uh, Artificer armor, uh, power glaive on the sergeant, and the rhino with dozer blade and multimelta. Then the third troop's choice, which you have to take. Recon Company says you must include a third troop's choice, which must be a recon squad, is 10 reconnaissance marines. All 10 have melt bombs. The sergeant has artificer armor. Um, and I didn't pick a weapon loadout for them, he, so he can give them either bolt pistol combat weapon, or he can give them shotguns. Um, I believe all that's like a free thing. So I kind of like the idea of them with just bolt pistol combat blade. I think it's pretty cool. Seems pretty white scar too. Yeah. More aggressive, like close quarters loadout. That's just me. Um, and they have a dedicated uh, Storm Eagle uh, gunship. Has uh, two wing-mounted LAS cannons. And then just a nose uh, heavy bolter. Just what it comes with. Um, then for elites, I have 10 Space Marine veterans. Uh, they are marksman vets. Three of them have combi meltas. Oh, by the way, the I said I don't know if I said it or not, but the reconnaissance marines—they all have melt bombs. Yep, you did. So for elite, for elites, I have ten veterans. They're marksmen. Three of them have combi meltas, melt bombs. The sergeant has artificer armor and a power glaive, and they're in a rhino with dozer blade and pinnel mount and multimelta. Then for fast attack, I have ten outriders. Three of the outriders have power weapons. The entire unit has melt bombs, and the sergeant, one of them's upgraded to sergeant. And the sergeant has a power glaive. And this is where your Praetor will go. Um, then for the second fast attacks choice, I have a unit of a javelin speeder squadron. So the uh, it's a the squadron has two javelins in it. Um, both of them have multi-meltas on them, and both of them have 200 killers. And then they just have the standard cyclone loadout. And then for the third and final fast attack choice, I have another... Uh, javelin squadron with two javelins in it with multi-meltas and 200 killer missiles per javelin. Um, and then for the or the one heavy support choice in the army, I have a fire raptor gunship missiles and auto cannons. So my personal idea is the so the vigilator goes with the recon marines. So I know somebody that was in the uh, was a scout in the army. He was a scout for an armor division. Half the time, they would either fly them out in a helicopter and drop them off like two days ahead, and they would 
you know, scout ahead on foot as the armor would drive, which obviously the armor drives faster and you can walk, so it'll catch up to you. Um, or they would Bradley's and be like kind of part of the tanks and just drive a little bit in front of them. Uh, so I kind of included the guys in the Storm Eagle, even though the Storm Eagle's dedicated to them, and the list for them to start with the Vigilator on the table. Okay, they don't have to start in it if you don't want them to. And it represents like what I was saying, where yeah, it's their jet or whatever, where it's like flown and dropped them off, and then they've went and infiltrated, and then the jet flies back in to either, you know, pick them up or offer air support. But there's nothing also stopping you from starting them in the jet if you want to. But that's not I kinda wanted them to start on the board. I just thought it was kind of a cool idea to represent them getting around, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that's a cool idea. Very fluffy. Because every, everything else in the in the army is mounted. Because I figure a recon force would you know would be fast and have to be mobile and self sufficient. I didn't want those to be the one guy with one guys without a transport. So I threw in the Storm Eagle. I just thought it was cool. Not they're not something you see a lot of anyway. Um, they're kind of a meh unit model, and it's not horrible. Um, I just wouldn't go overboard, you know, with them. They're, it's one of the, they're pretty. Like, they're slightly. It's like one of the worst models to count on coming in holding your dudes. So like having a unit that can just infiltrate up anyway is like it's a cool way to get them to get the model as well as like you know. Right, and it, and it makes sense fluff wise that they would have it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I mean, I I think the list is cool. It'll it'll take advantage because uh, anything that uh, scouts or infiltrates gets the bonus gets the shrouded. So the bikes scout up. So the the bikes will scout, and then the uh, the reconnaissance marines will scout, and then the uh, the veterans outflank. I went with marksmen simply because it's a recon, so it made sense that they outflank. Um, and then the javelins also outflank, and then obviously the two flyers. So I felt like all that was fluffy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's a very fluffy army all around. And the way you have it set up, I mean, you're, you're, you're surrounding everything with melted bombs. Your vet squads have, what, three melted bombs apiece in them? or Well, there's three melted guns in the one melted vet squad, guns. and then they have yeah. melted bombs. Yeah. And then the outriders have melted bombs, and then the recon marines have melted bombs. So your anti-tank is basically, you have four javelins, fire after a storm eagle and then melt the bombs yeah and you don't have any terminators or anything crazy like that so you're going to have to play against armor you're going to play smart um and try to like trap things and get things surrounded where you can then get the assault on melt the bombs or outflank in and get side or rear armor with your javelins or whatever but i like that like that's how a recon company should perform it shouldn't have like heavy elements that just fucking smoke land raiders like no problem yeah exactly like it's a it's definitely a uh I'm, I'm, the way it sounds, it sounds like a like a demolition force that went ahead and like found an enemy element and like has to use outflanking and things like that to to take it to take out these uh larger larger tanks and things like that. It's a cool, a cool idea. Well, and that's all. Like the it makes sense. Like with the tactical marines having the extra close combat weapon and stuff, like they have to be kind of kitted out to do everything. Because I figure like a recon element, you're gonna kind of be placed in front of the main force and be out on your own, and you got to be a little bit. So 
I just yeah. tried to make sure everything was mobile, multiple roles, like, you know, give things melt bombs so they can go after tanks or and try to take things that were flank, fast-moving bikes or guys in transports or and things that scout and whatever. And how cool, man, a Fire Raptor support. Fucking close air support right there. Yeah. Fucking Kaz. Solid. I like it. I think they're going to have a good time learning how to play with that list. And every element in that list is something that you can learn to play with. If you get good at that list, then you will get good at like pretty much any other list you decide to take out. Well, and like I said, he I, I didn't want to go crazy with the models he would have to buy, so he already owns the Outriders. He already owns all the Tactical Marines and the Veterans from the other list that I wrote him. Um, he already has the Praetor on bike from the other list that I wrote him. Convert up a Vigilator and get the two. I get it. And, and, some, and he said he already had some Rhinos. So that was the other thing is like I had to work within the model restraints like i didn't you know i mean i didn't want to like be like hey go buy all this shit like it's a a practical list a very practical list i get it so next list we had comes in from jake jake says hey man been listening to the show for a while now i was wondering if you could throw a list together for me or send some ideas for a militia list for the taking of fire x this summer over the year over the past year, I've sold four fully painted 7,000 K plus point heresy armies since no one here in Kansas plays, and since me and Giancarlo don't live in Hawaii anymore. So what I've done is amass a giant steel legion force that's painted at heresy area Talern because I wanted an army that would be able to run in both. What I have is as follows. Three company commanders, ten Lehman Russ, six of them have battle cannon turret, one vanquisher turret, Three Annihilator turrets and two Demolisher turrets. Turrets. He's got a Hellhound, two Basilisks, six Chimeras, one Vulture gunship, one Thunderbolt, three Heavy Vulture teams, three Last Cannon teams, sixty Infantry, one Shadow Sword. Just seeing if you turn this into a nice Heresy Cult militia. Feel free to recommend some models to add in. Thanks, Jake. Nice. That is a lot of. Sorry about them Chimeras, but yeah, that's so. Yeah, I had to basically try to build together malicious stuff, ignoring things or trying to multi-purpose things. Like, you know I mean, like, I basically told him, "Hey, you can run this. You can't run this. These don't exist." That type of thing. I really hope that we get an updated list that has like hellhounds and chimeras and shit like that. Uh, yeah, it'd be nice. So, based on what he had, this is the list I came up with. So, um, force commander. Um, you're going to take the Planetary Overlord upgrade and pick Merchant Priestling. So that's the one that... Or Princeling. That's the one that you attach this guy to a unit and he lowers the AP of their weapons by one. Cannon unit. And you put this guy... You chose that unit. They would be AP3 autocannons. Um, so pretty fucking crazy upgrade for 20 points. Pretty good. So you're going to select Alchem Jackers and Survivors of the Dark Age. Because um, he said these were guys were Steel Legion, right? Yep, Steel Legion. So they definitely uh, got gas yeah. masks. Yeah. So I figured like the the respirators, like if you if you remember the old Steel Legion fluff, uh the this the were like and they were like a mechanized type army. They had like a really good war gear. So I figured uh, Alchem Jackers and Survivors of the Dark Age like fit with his theme. Um, and also, like, you can buy the Kim inhalers, which they already have, like, the little gas masks and stuff. So it just kind of made sense. 
happy with what he was going with. That was why I chose it. Um, so this guy also has a power weapon, iron halo, melt bombs, digital lasers, cyber familiar. So he's just going to have a five up armor save, but he's got a three up invol save. So you're always just going to take your invol. See, so digital lasers, melt bombs, and power weapon helps you out in close combat. Uh, so for troops, he says he's got 60 infantry. So because he's survivors of the Dark Age, you got to run um, as grenadiers. Basically, 60 infantry as grenadiers. So I took a, for his first troops choice, it's a 20 man grenadier squad with laser rifles. So they're like a las gun, but 30 inch range. And then I bought advanced weapons for them. So they go up to strength four. So they're strength four, 30 inch range las gun. Pretty good. Better than a bolter. Definitely. Yep. The sergeant the sergeant has a uh, power weapon and melt bombs. Dudes in that unit of the twenty that have plasma guns. Um for his second truth choice, I took an identical unit. So another twenty guys, two dudes have plasma guns, Lazarus rifles, sergeant has power weapon melt bombs. And for the third unit, I took the exact same thing. So that's gonna use all sixty of his infantry guys. So it's gonna give him three really big uh, scoring units and grenadiers have a four up armor save, and then with survivors, they go to a three up effectively in power armor. So, having these 60 power armor guys for fairly cheap is going to be, you know, hopefully hard to remove. Um, so then he's got all these, all these heavy weapons teams that I wanted to utilize. So, for his uh, fourth troop choice, I took a uh, fire six militia fire teams in a unit, so that's six, basically six two-man teams with heavy bolters. The fifth troop's choice, I took another six-man fire team unit, or sorry, 12-man, but six-unit team thing, and they have last cannons. So six heavy bolters and six last cannon teams. For elites, I took the Medicaid orderlies and took a unit of five of them, and then they each get split amongst the troop choices. So all three grenadier units... And both the fire teams are all going to have feel no pain because you're, they're going to have a medic in every unit. Um, for fast attack, I took his uh, Thunderbolt because he owns a Thunderbolt, which is cool because it's a fast attack choice for militia. Heavy fighter with uh, no upgrades. Um, then for heavy support, I took a Lehman Russ uh, Vanquisher, just a, a, squ a Lehman Russ squadron, but just of a single Vanquisher in the squadron. I um, mean, it has a whole mounted las cannon and dozer blade, which he has the vanquisher. I love me some vanquisher. For the, man. yeah, for the second heavy support choice, I took a single uh, another squadron with just a single Russ in it, with a Lehman Russ annihilator. That has also has a whole mounted las cannon and dozer blade, so that's a twin link las cannon turret with another whole mounted las cannon. Pretty cool. And then for the third and final heavy support choice, I took a squadron of. Lehman Russes that has two demolishers in it, um, and they just have dozer blades. So that uses uh, four of his ten zones. It uses a thunderbolt he has. So you'll have to convert up the orderlies and then buy six more heavy weapons teams, and then everything else he owns all the models. Um, so this is two thousand and ten points, um, and then this taking of. Firex, I did he say how many points he needed? I don't think he said how many points the B. Um, 
if you wanted to play, this is 2010. If you wanted to play uh, 2000, I would just drop the melta bombs on the two on the grenadier sergeants, and you're you're good to go. That just rely on their crack grenades. Um, that would get you at 2000. If he wants to go up to 2500, he owns a shadow sword. I would just throw the shadow sword in as your super heavy and give it so it hits uh, 2500. Does Steel Legion have a special? Uh tank commander that rolled around like did, was there like a special like little steel legion metal tank commander like that that like model um maybe there was a model i don't think he had rules yeah man i was thinking how cool that looking a fucking shadow sword see the thing is like steel legion was always like a mechanized yep to mountain chimeras but you can't do that nope. with uh militia with uh the militia list because there's no chimeras there's only the gorgons and they're not I don't know. It kind of sucks. Like you said, it would be nice because like in the Horus Heresy card game and in the Visions of Heresy book, there's fucking chimeras all over that fucking thing. It's not to allow you to take chimeras. Yeah. So I'm trying to make sure they sell Dracosans. <laughs> well, you can't buy Dracosans for militia. Oh, then I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to sell Gorgons. <laughs> they don't sell them. <laughs> There's no. They're answer. not on the fucking web store. There's no right answer here. <laughs> trying to sell the. Trying to the, get rid the of only the options they have. <laughs> so so because he took survivors of the dark age, um, you can it unlocks rhinos and, um, land raider proteus, yeah, as dedicated transports. So what he could do, he could like get rid of one of the demolishers out of the list. I actually wouldn't even have to do that shrink the grenadier squads anyway so you could shrink you could because you have an extra troop slot so you could shrink the three grenadier squads down to 10 and then take a 10th or a fourth grenadier squad and put all four of those in a rhino or whatever if you wanted to buy a rhinos but i don't know like it is what it is like i don't really i don't really have an answer for him there but it, it would be militia, it would be mechanized but it would not look cool like i get it like Unless you had like a vehicle that you counted as a rhino, but even then, it's kind of weird. Like, that's why what because I'm doing the same thing, kind of like I'm taking survivors or whatever. But I I made my own Proteuses, which you've seen. I think they look pretty cool and they look unique. Yep, and they look kind, very they very look obviously almost, a Proteus. Like that's another thing. Yeah, it looks like it looks like a Proteus had sex with a Chimera. Like that was the look I went with. Like I tried to make it look like a super heavily armored Chimera that was bigger. Yeah. Oh, it does. You you nailed it. Anyway, like yeah, I just I hope at some point they a chimera option in there. It'd be perfect. Holds twelve guys because all these things start at like a grenadier squad starts at ten, but the problem is you can't upgrade the ten existing guys to special weapons. You have to buy an additional dude with a special weapon. So if you don't want just las guns in the unit, you can't put them in any of the transports except a Gorgon anyway, because all the transports hold ten. I hear you. It'd be cool. So if they put Chimeras in the list, it would kill two birds with one stone because they hold twelve max size unit with your special weapons in it, and also give them a transport option. Yeah, one hundred percent. Uh. Thinking about it now, because it's only 2,010 points, but moving over to 2,500, instead of dropping the Shadow Sword in, uh, I, I know he's trying to dual split this army for 40k and 30k, 
I don't know how good Sentinels are in 40k nowadays, but they're pretty fucking decent. They're good in 30k. In 30k, and I know Steel Legion has specific Steel Legion Sentinels. So, I mean, that's another option if you're if he's looking for units to buy and looking for things. They don't that, sell those anymore, I don't think. Yeah, the the they don't get, the plastic kits are are still are both Steel Legion and Yeah, I thought you meant the original pewter ones. Oh no. That yeah, were no. I wish, man. If, or I mean, dude, if you, if this I mean, he's obviously it sounds like he's getting the pewter models. So, um I have 10 of them. I have 10 of the old pewter ones. Dude, just a just a heads up, man. If you, I'm, I don't know what you're. I mean, it sounds like if you know Giancarlo, Giancarlo knows pretty much all the places to get all the third party bits and stuff like that. But it sounds like you've amassed yourself quite a large Steel Legion army. But if you're looking for a resin replacement, or you're tired of the same ten poses over and over again, which I don't know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't get tired of it. I love those fucking rocket launchers uh, for the Steel Legion models, but. If you do get tired of those poses, if you go look at Mad Robot Miniatures, they made a Steel Legion line. Like, I know we talk about Mad Robot all the time, but there is a very closely resembling, like, Steel Legion army that they've released. They've released the cloaks. They've released the correct gas mask. Uh, they even have different helmets on the same gas mask, so you can identify, like, uh, uh, officers and things like that and sergeants and, and such. So, it's, very, it's pretty fucking dope, but cool list man just uh yeah if you if you haven't considered uh, sentinels man 30k sentinels are pretty fucking great yeah i just like i said i i thought that too um but i mean he didn't own any and he already had the shadow sword so it was like i hear you here you go that way you don't have to buy a bunch of models for sure absolutely but yeah 40k on the table they must not be very good i don't know we'd have to ask chris <laughs> yeah, they don't have anything twin link, so they're not great. So, well, all right, man, we made it to the end of the episode, man. I was very happy with this episode. I was very happy with all the the uh, the fun talk with Chris and all that the stories. A, it was a thick episode. It's a thick, a little tick episode. Nothing but talk. I don't man. know if if it's going to get out in time, but at the the last day for the Toys for Tots uh, tables is tomorrow tomorrow hopefully if you're listening to this right now i'm gonna edit this up as fast as i can and get it dumped tonight so you should be in your ears tomorrow morning which would be friday morning so go share that might go back and record a little thing for the beginning just real quick or something say hey that way people get it right at the beginning (laughs) i think the people who are watching it are the people that are gonna buy it like i like as fast as that thing climbed on money wise i think Oh, you, you, you're going to be the one about Okay. <laughs> Fair. I'm the top bidder. I'm the top bidder. Come at me, bro. Oh, yeah. You're going to be dethroned real quick. I already feel it. So, but anyway, guys, uh, go check us out on Facebook, uh, Radio Freest Van. Go, go look at us there. Uh, please, if you get a minute, guys, go leave us a review on iTunes. If you're listening to us on iTunes, that is how we get pushed to the top for people looking for podcasts that are heresy-related. Uh, go leave us a review. We have some, a number of good reviews. We're all five-star right now uh, because I said that. Fuck. I said that. Some <laughs> asshole is going to go fucking destroy us now. It was a four and a half One stars. star. <laughs> One star. Eat a dick. Fuck you, man. Anyway, 
if you want to send us any list or anything like that or ask us any questions, Michael at Warmer30k.com, Derek at Warmer30k.com, Ryan at Warmer30k.com, and Scott at Warmer30k.com, uh, we will take your list. All caught up on we- list. <laughs> Ryan's all caught up on list now. Shouldn't As of the time that. of this recording. As of the time of this recording, and he said it, so it's going to get a little bit crazy. Um, but anyway, <laughs> guys, uh, RFI, or I'm sorry, 209-RFI-30K-0 is our phone number if you want to call in, leave us a voicemail. Also, you can go to our Facebook page, and at the top right, you'll see a button that says call. You can give us a call, leave us a voicemail on there. Uh, as you've already heard this entire episode... Um, we do play all voicemails on our episode. And uh, let your friends know. You know, Share us out there. Um, if you really want to support us, we do have a Patreon as well. Uh, we have a Patreon chat that has a number of members in there. Uh, they all talk and, and keep that Patreon chat alive, keep it going. We want to say thank you to all you guys in the Patreon chat. Uh, y'all, y'all are awesome. Y'all keep me young. Like They call us out on our bullshit. There's a number of vendors that are in there that try and introduce like new ideas and stuff i I swear i'm gonna do these tactical videos that'll be patron only i just haven't had somebody teach me how to fucking record it yet (laughs) but i just haven't we're gonna get it guys we're gonna get it and of course if for whatever reason guys uh you are into podcast i would imagine that you're also into audiobooks uh audible has gone out of their way to support this podcast and so if you want to go get a free trial for Audible, uh, it's rfibook.com. You'll get a free book and a 30-day free trial of Audible. And just so you know, all the Horace Heresy novels are on Audible now, except for the newest stuff. I don't think the latest one's on there. Uh, but they pretty much caught up with a number of the Horace Heresy books. So uh, if you want to jump in on the audiobook experience, Go download Audible. Go to rfibook.com. Start your start your own account, and uh, it'll help out our podcast. But we're going to do a cultural exchange spin next week. So if you're fucking hearing this, you better be sharing and fucking oh. doing whatever on this episode. That's right. We are going to be doing a cultural exchange spin next week, and what also we're going to be doing next week is nope. going to be a Space Wolf episode. About time. So next week is our Space Wolf episode. Guys, so if for whatever reasons you have questions or concerns about Space Wolves or anything like that, send that in for next week. That way we can have those questions ready to go. But next week will be our Legion Space Wolves episode. So get ready for that, fellas. I sent a cultural exchange to uh, Matt Kane and Henry. What'd they think? What'd you send? Uh, Henry's not responded that he got his yet. Uh, Matt got his. He liked everything so far. I sent him, um, because I took some uh, beef jerky over there with me, and it, I've gotten a few beef jerkies from Europe, and ours, sorry, Europe, but. Shit all over it. Ours is like, oh yeah, it's so much better. So, um, I sent him, I went to the, the Jack Link section of the store and just bought like one of each, so I sent him like six different flavors of Jack Link's. Um, and then I sent him those uh, fucking uh, habanero almonds, those ones that I love. Uh, I forget who makes those. Diamond, blue diamond, jalapeno. Or no, they're habanero. Habanero covered almonds. Okay, yeah. Um, I mentioned them on the show before, 
man, they're good. They will burn your asshole up if you eat the whole fucking can <laughs> in one sitting. But they're definitely good. I sent you some of those, and then I bought like a, I think it was a 10-pack sampler of fucking sugary American cereals because Europe decided to be a nanny state and won't let you buy any of that really good sugary shit. Like all they have is like the fucking oat brand that tastes like eating you know, smoke meteorites or whatever the fuck, like just not very good. So smoke meteorites. <laughs> I, I sent them um, some fucking uh, Lucky Charms and some Cocoa Puffs and some like good, good bad for you stuff. Man, dude, so, we should have sent some fucking Apple Jacks, some tricks, some fucking. Uh, I don't Crunch, know who got Oops what, but they got they got Lucky Charms. Fuck. Uh, what What's are the little Reese's? Gold, golden, golden <laughs> Reese's grams? Puffs? Yeah, Reese's puffs, fucking golden grams. Uh, what's the uh, cinnamon toast crunch? Oh shit! Yeah, sent some of that. That went oh, cinnamon yeah, toast dude. crunch went. Uh, you're welcome, fucking all of the UK. <laughs> um, I hope you start something like, <laughs> like so. I sent them a bunch of that shit, and then I I bought a box of combos and split that all up. Sent that all off, and then some Cheez Its too. Um, I also sent some shit to Jody, um, so he got some snacks over there at Varangian. And then the the guy who won the Dark Angels drawing, um, wrong. The Dark either... Angels fucking snapshot episode. We had to be the first to to send Ryan a picture. Yes. So a guy won from the UK. <laughs> I think I know his name, but. I mean, I yeah, Jack. I couldn't remember if it was... Uh, his name's Jack Thompson. I couldn't remember his name was Tom Jackson. I got it was fucking reversed. But anyway, uh, Jack, he won the Dark Angel bit, so I sent those out, and because I was already sending out snacks, I threw in snacks with his, too. Fuck so he yeah. got some of these snacks as well. What a so, great what a great time to be alive. Hopefully he enjoys all that. <laughs> so four, four cultural exchanges went out. Pretty cool. What a great time to be alive. So that's it for this episode. That's all I got. Is that it? That's all we got, man. It's a good episode. I got, got thirty shoulder pads painted, or thirty guys, thirty guys shoulder pads and knee pads painted while we were doing this. I petted my cat probably one hundred and twenty-eight times. I feel like that's a good number. All the meowing you guys have heard through this episode is my fucking cat William. He was down here between me and Chris, wanting having the time of his fucking life. This. Having just a good old time. He's always like that, man. <laughs> he was like when he was standing like on him. on Chris's chest, man. I was dying <laughs> laughing because he's just like, "Hey, buddy," <laughs> like completely unaware of social boundaries, <laughs> just <laughs> just in his fucking face, man. So good. All right, everybody. Well, we're gonna go and kick you over to some music and uh, look forward to next episode. Y'all have a good one, guys. Bye. Bye.